We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He is, as I've mentioned multiple times at this point, out of the country right now. He's on a secret mission. It's important. He'll be back soon enough. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is something completely different. This is a little looser because... um, well, there's no big main releases that I really wanted to get into this week for a main review, so we figured why not go over something that's much more important, the Academy Award nominations. The 89th Academy Award nominations were announced this week, and additionally, we also got the title of Star Wars Episode Eight, which is The Last Jedi. So I figured this would be fun to uh, kind of go over for various reasons, um, including one that I'll get to as I introduce our guests who are going to... Uh, talk with me today about the Oscar nominations and The Last Jedi. I have, from Endor Express, still focused on whether it's plural or singular, it's David, yeah? Howdy, 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 yeah. And from Game, Revo- <laughs> from, Game Re- from Game Revolution, more concerned with the red color font, it's Peter Paris. Yo, yo, yo. Guys, how are you both doing today? Doing great. I'm, I'm doing good. I got I got a new job. This is my uh, second week uh, at the job. And I'm I'm realizing that though I live in West Hollywood and the job is in Beverly Hills, which is only four miles away, it takes a half hour to get there in LA traffic at rush hour. Um, <laughs> not uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, doing uh, doing good. Uh, so far, 2017, uh, none of my favorite cele- I did. I was sad Mary Mary Tyler Moore died, but uh, they haven't. Um, I don't even want to name somebody that I don't want to die. So so far. So far, it's you know, except for some other stuff. Uh, let's good. all let's all take a moment to to sympathize with Peter for having to drive four miles to Beverly Hills for his work. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's a half hour at nine. That's nuts. If that should four four miles should take like nothing. Like that's crazy. Listeners, feel free to assign a hashtag to this sort of sort of rant uh, at the following this episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's good to have you guys both on. It is. I believe both your first 2017 episode and out now with her in a name, if I'm not mistaken. Woohoo! Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. I'm, not, I'm not at all going to keep track of that for every other guest because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Uh, it was on the mind. But let's go over some show notes stuff real quick. Uh, really simple. Uh, we have a new commentary track up. It is for Paul W.S. Anderson's Event Horizon, arguably, and to me, definitely his best film. Um, a lot of fun to record with uh, Scott, Brandon, and Jordan, uh, so feel free to check that one out. It should be on iTunes now. And uh, what else? iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. It helps out the show, helps other people find the show. If you want to log into iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Give us a star rating. That'd be cool. Write us a little review. That'd be even better. Uh, would pop us up in the old uh, iTunes charts and get us back into that new and notable section and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that'd be uh, fun. be good to get some new ones for the new year. So, yeah, thank you in advance. Abe will be back, by the way. Um, he, he's been doing some traveling lately, but, uh, you know. Or will he? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we I'm, obviously I'm, I'm additioning other Asians to be my co-host on this podcast, so we'll, we'll, see, how this, <laughs> we'll see how this all goes. He's going to grade me after this. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole checklist sheet. <laughs> uh, but so, part I mean, part of this podcast is obviously devoted to the Oscar nominations and The Last Jedi, but there, there is a specific reason why I have both David and Peter on this podcast. And some of you may be like, well, they've been on the podcast before. They've even, they've even been on an episode together before. 
But this is apparently something that was not apparent to either David or Peter until this week, uh, where we, the three of us, got into this kind of Facebook conversation. But instead of describing how what happened, I've actually I've I've printed out a a whole script of this Facebook <laughs> thread that took place. And so for this week's episode of Know Everybody, it's a Know Everybody special edition because we're gonna we're going to act the parts of each other reading the the various messages we exchanged over Facebook that led to the realization that Peter and David uh, know each other for more reasons than one. So, uh, okay, I, I think I've set that up properly. I'm now going to say, as I, as I said, we're going to read a whole transcription here, and we're going to act as each other. And so I'm going to read Peter's lines from this Facebook thread. Peter is going to read David's lines from this thread, and David will read my lines. Do we all understand this? Yes. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, make this make this reading as dramatic as you like it. Um, but um, so the the whole conversation started in response to the naming of Star Wars or the title reveal of Star Wars as the Last Jedi. And so I, I will start. This was Peter's initial post. He wrote, "The Last Jedi. I like it." Okay. So I, as David, I'm indifferent. If it weren't Episode Eight, I uh, would think it was from a novel from the expanded universe. This is David as Aaron. Each of these titles could be a book. <laughs> That's kind of the point. They all sound like a pulp novel title, especially Attack of the Clones, as we established in the commentary. Nice plug. I'm leaning more towards uh, not in the favor of this title because of so many other The Last Movie titles out there. You mean this? And Aaron uh, shares a link to the uh, Attack of the Clones commentary. <laughs> At least it's not Jedi Resurgence or The Dark Sith Rises. Name other titles with those and the results are far fewer. IMDb search for movies with return. Here's a list. I posted a, a link to a list of many, many movies that have return in the title. True, but Rises is pretty played out last decade. I'd have to eliminate all titles after 1983 from that search for it to be fair. Honestly, my favorite title is still The Phantom Menace. The Force Awakens maybe is maybe third. Yeah, I argue we shouldn't repeat anything within Star Wars either, and so far they haven't. Worst is Attack of the Clones. Return of the Jedi is a killer title. Attack of the Clones is a great pulp title. Attack of the Clones! Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi are my two favorite titles. It's more fun to say than type attack. I don't like Strikes Back. Love the film, obviously. We argued that Attack of the Clones is bad because it didn't really happen that way in the film, so it's a bad title, as in the commentary. Oh yeah, as far as what actually occurs, it's, it's a mislead of sorts, but it's a great title. How do you not like Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> he, he's an idiot. Aaron's uh, talking about Peter here. By the yeah. way, this is so awesome that you two... This, this is the important word right here. By the way, it is. this is so awesome that you two already know each other. How? <laughs> uh, we met at the movies, duh. I figured you two only know each other because of the podcast. Of course! He's an idiot. <laughs> 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 no, no, David was Megan's roommate. Oh, wow. Seriously. And David and I used to work together at E, but only really each other's, <laughs> only, I assume that's, only read each other's names on emails, LOL. Ha, I just figured I had two of you together on at some point. Well, I delivered tapes to your bay, so we knew each other in that sense, too. You did? Wow. Yeah, I know your face. There you are, Peter, end quote. LOL. Uh, you gotta say it right. Wait. You gotta say it like it's in Hook. Oh. Wait, you gotta say it. <laughs> there you are. 
Peter. <laughs> LOL. It's Megan that reunited us as friends. Also, here's a link to the Phantom Menace commentary where both you, you know, me, you. Well, here's I and, yeah I have that, and then I posted yeah. the the exact description <laughs> that I wrote in the in the episode. <laughs> and then uh, and then I uh, David gives bulgy eye emojis. No, read, 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 Aaron, read what I wrote in this game. <laughs> okay, all right. So here it is, our commentary track for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Aaron and Abe are joined by Brandon Peters, Peter Paris, and David Yeh to discuss one of the biggest cinematic events ever. And then I guess emoji O face, which or is like big eyes, which is where yeah, David David realizes what's happened here. <laughs> yes, Aaron says you're both dummies. To be honest, I never looked into the other folks because it was so many names that I wasn't ter- terribly familiar with. I'd assume the others looked at my name the same way. OMFG. How did I not put that together? I need to listen to this. So weird. David and I were discussing Star Wars since we both attended the same screening and somehow didn't know. For the first time? Yeah, Rogue One screening. Uh, maybe we'll see Last Jedi 1 too. Maybe we'll all be there. Or I'll just have both of you guys on this week's show to talk the title and oscar noms lol and then we just read our dialogue from this status update <laughs> yep sounds like a done deal in fact we should each read all the statuses one another i.e peter as aaron david as peter aaron as david apparently i didn't stick to that idea <laughs> I, I i probably can't do pod this weekend i'm gonna be out of town don't ruin this peter and there we and, go. And, <laughs> and scene. And Peter and Peter did not ruin it. <laughs> yes, we worked out a, a, a better time to record this so we could go over that exact idea that David came up with, which was genius in my eyes. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> These two apparently knew each other already, were on the same podcast, didn't realize it, and then reconnected later on, only for me to re- <laughs> for me to to show them that they were on a podcast together before this happened. Um, and so, if anybody's still out there listening, we got more to tell you about the show. So yeah, that's there's more show. There's more show. Yeah, there's more show now. <laughs> but that concludes that concludes what I consider the ultimate edition of Know Everybody. All right, Let's that was move. the first uh, out now, um, you know, radio drama. Uh, yeah, <laughs> out now theater, as I'm calling yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or uh, OU. Two sad faces. Out now theater or OUT or out. Which is perfect for this show. <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right, let's do some out now quickies. Uh, each week at out now we have one movie with out now quickies. Okay, moving fast. Um, Peter, have you seen any other movies recently? You talking about in theater? Oh, 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 wait, wait. Yes, I did, and I actually wouldn't mind talking about this. I don't know, but I don't know if David's seen it though. Did you guys see the monster? That's on Amazon, isn't it? Uh, I got a Blu-ray. Okay, I, I believe it's on Amazon, but I haven't. Uh, I have not yet. I haven't found. I haven't. Uh, I can't, it's not perfect, but I would say that it really does prove to me that 2016 was a pretty good year for, I guess, like genre movies. I mean, not every movie was maybe as, you know, 10 Cloverfield or if we would say 10 Clover, can we agree 10 Cloverfield and Don't Breathe are kind of the highlights probably? Oh, there's or, more. There's more I haven't watched yet that I keep hearing about, like Under Under the Shadow, The Wailing, The Eyes of My Mother I hear is supposed to be great, which I have a oh, screener Oh, I that was good. I hear a screener Yeah, but there was a lot. The Shallows. I mean, the, like, the, two, the two you mentioned are certainly the biggest mainstream like genre films yes. that kind of came out. I mean, 
And the year started terribly with the forest, which was which was so bad. Aaron didn't even go to the screening. Like, like, but I, but I did. Well, it was more like it's a January horror movie. Why am I going to drive all the way up to L.A. so I can see this movie that I know is not going to be very good? Like, it, like, and when I, by the time I saw it, there's worse movies I saw last year, which I've made note yes, of many times in this podcast. So. Um, but still, no, no. But uh, yeah. So recently. The monster, and then in theaters, the last thing I saw was *Live by Night*. And the reason I saw that was because um, Megan and I were visiting her grandmother, and they went to go see *Hidden Figures*. And I had just seen it like five days before. And we'll get to *Hidden Figures*, but I had just seen it, so I was like, "Well, I haven't. I missed the *Live by Night* screening." But like ten minutes in, I was like, "Oh, I should have sat through *Hidden Figures* again." Uh, did you guys see *Live by Night*? I have not. No, I have not. Yeah, I'm... I thought it, I thought it was *Live by Night*. <laughs> ben Affleck is live by night. His first stand-up comedy movie. I was really. You ever notice how the old Batman's walk like this? And the... <laughs> <laughs> that's really old-school jokes, apparently. <laughs> I, want to... well, I want to watch this movie so badly now. <laughs> so it's not a good uh, gangster uh, movie for Affleck. Oh, it's pretty bad. It's a pretty. I got into an argument with another movie friend of mine. He hated. Uh... 20th century women and he hated <laughs> the most and relatable I, movie to live by night obviously well and i liked i liked 20th century women but i didn't really understand his hate i was like i'm like i get it if you don't think it's the best thing ever but i was like so when i saw live by night i was like come on because he sort of liked that and i was like this is clearly a mess of a movie i was like this is clearly not it, it, it felt like ben affleck you know probably shooting batman superman is developing the batman i mean he's got a full plate and so I guess I felt like maybe the project got away from him. That was the feeling I got with the movie. So what's like, like, because I keep, yeah. I keep hearing that Live By Night's not, you know, good. And, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of Affleck as a director. I really like Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and uh, Argo. Yeah. But uh, what, what's like, what, what's like the issue that makes Live By Night not a very good movie? I mean, you know me, as you like to introduce me with uh, my Game Revolution credits. It felt very much, uh, and there's another conversation we can get into, but it, it felt very much like a um, kind of like Ben Affleck trying to do a Grand Theft Auto version of like a mob thing. Oh, so mafia, I mean, the gay mafia. Well, no, but what I mean, I mean like mafia three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, mafia three is better, but I mean, but meaning like there was something about the way he shoots the exteriors, the way he drones on with this like pretty monotone narration voiceover. Too many fetch quests. Yeah, there's something about it where, don't get me wrong, in the second hour of the movie, there are some good scenes. Like, Elle Fanning has a good sequence, Chris Cooper has a good scene. But even those, in a video game thing, I'm like, well, those are more just, like, good cutscenes. Like, it doesn't really add up to, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I didn't really feel like it. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I just, and again, I like I like Lehane because I also like Shutter Island. I like other stuff that isn't just Gone Baby. I mean, I like that author, but maybe it was a really hard, because I think it was a novel. So maybe it was hard to make into a movie you know like i mean not having seen it but getting the gist of it it seems like a pretty straightforward you know affleck's a gangster type movie like i, I mean it's but you know, i don't know he is last thing i would say before we move on is that i do think it also suffers from the problem of even though i like road to perdition i think that's an infinitely better movie there is something about when you cast these kind of likable people as gangsters it's a question of like, well, how far are you going to take that? And I guess I feel like, yeah, I know you've seen the trailer. He's supposed to be, oh, 
Joe was a Joe was once a good man. He's pretty much a good man the whole movie. Like, I mean, he's well, yeah, because I know really... I know the villains like the KKK. So it's like when you put those well, two, yes, when you no, put those gets... when you put those next to each other, it's like, well, yeah. clearly this guy's better. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously you're better than the the upcoming clan. Like, of course, but he's not really a bad guy. That, that's another. It just feels like I'm like you know things. My favorite movies about gangsters are usually people. Who still do pretty bad things, but we're still kind of, you know, Breaking Bad. Anti, anti-heroes. Anti-heroes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, eh, not really. I was like, he's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I will say, though, I like some of the locations, I guess. But well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd be, I would, I'd be surprised if it was like a, a badly, like, put together as far as technical, va- you know, production value goes. Like, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if it was, you know, incompetent in that category. But, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably just what I'll wait and catch on a Blu-ray when it comes out, because I just, I don't. Not just the um, you know, the, the critical negativity that's gone towards it, but just in general, I've never really mustered up much excitement for the movie itself, even though it's you know has a lot of good people in it and certainly a director that I've you know enjoyed the films from. So it's yeah, I don't know. David, how about you? What movies have you seen recently? I finally watched Hidden Figures last night. All right. You know, I'm really behind. Yeah, I loved it. It was good, except for two things that stood out. Uh, his name just uh, Costner escapes me. No, Jim Parsons? Uh, yes, Big Bang Theory. He kind of distracts me. I don't know why. He just doesn't seem like he... I don't know. He seems a little, um, like, too, like, innocent folksy to be racist. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Yeah, like, it, I just... Uh, yeah. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would have that sort of attitude when I, like, just think about it. Right. Exactly. And his pants were hiked up way too high, and that kind of bothered me. <laughs> just for him to be such a dick. I don't know. Yeah. And Kevin Costner chews gum really weird, or he puts gum in his mouth really weird. Those are the two things that stood out. But otherwise, I love the movie. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, actually, I came out, I walked out of that movie loving it way more than I liked La La Land. Ooh. Yeah, I know. That's going to win. But we'll talk about that later. Well, Peter, you saw uh, Hidden Figures also, right? I did. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm, I, I'm really kind of surprised um, that... And again, this will be more of our Oscar talk, but I'm surprised Taraji P. Henson didn't get nominated. I thought she was, I mean, it is kind of an ensemble movie, but I don't know. She's pretty much the center. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, I would say it's a strong year for that category, which we'll get to. And also Meryl Streep wore hats, so obviously nomination. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked, I liked Hidden Figures a lot. I think that for the kind of, for the kind of movie that it is, which is, I feel, which is none of us here on the podcast, although we all liked it, I kind of feel like a movie like Hidden Figures is targeted towards the same kind of demo that probably liked The Help and The Blind Side. Uh, this is, I think, a much better movie. Yes, um, I would agree. But, it's a much better movie for one thing. And don't get me started with The Blind Side. Um, but, <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, yeah, because, because Hidden Figures is entirely about you know, well, it's it's an you'd say it's an ensemble, but yeah, it's specifically it you know it centers on these black women. As opposed to, you know, you need Emma Stone to be a gateway to get you to the other black women in the help, uh, or, you know, or the blind side. Um, this movie, it knows, it has a great perspective and it sticks with it. And it just delivers, uh, you know, there's strong performances and delivers on its story in a crowd-pleasing way. The the details that it kind of fudges or messes around with as far as the actual history, they feel less detrimental to the actual story as far as what it, compared to what it's trying to communicate, especially in a year like this, where various topics seem far more relevant than they usually are. Well, can I say this? Um, <clears throat> I, I threw this um, theory after um, Megan and her grandmother saw it. I threw this theory at them 
Okay, so I have this kind of long-running theory about movies about um, race. I always call it the Fonzie syndrome, and I'm sure people have a better name. So Fonzie was a character from a show called Happy Days. I I like this right now. Go on. (laughs) The Fonz would come to a diner, not Al's, obviously, and there would be some sign that's like, no colors, and Fonz would be like, that's not cool, and he would like, he would rip back, the sign. Back, back up. First up, he'd walk in the room and go, hey, and then he'd see the <laughs> sign. <laughs> Do that and get the jukebox running by hitting it. Yeah. Well, basically, the idea, of course, being is that that's my kind of teasy sitcom version to basically say that, you know, kind of what you just said about the help, that most movie, a lot of movies about race traditionally have to have some weird kind of like white main character that essentially is almost like the savior for the minorities. Like, even though the intention is good. Like that is, and strangely, I think Philadelphia is a weird twist on it because Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, Philadelphia is, is great for that reason. He's very the white guy yeah. because the because uh, Tom Hanks, right? The yeah. character with eight would be the minority. But anyways, what's kind of cool about Hidden Figures is that if you were to take that theory, which is that um, white person saves saves minorities, helps minorities, Hidden Figures. Spoiler alerts, just in case if you somehow don't know about the story. But the end of Hidden Figures is literally the reversal of that, which I think is pretty great, which is that Taraji B. Henson, her math is literally saving a white person, like, which I think is great. Like, I'm not saying that that was intentional or anything, but I think that's a nice reflective way. Although to look it is actually true. <laughs> that, that's, that helps. Well, right, and it's actually true, right? But, but it's, just, it's just great. It's just like the way it's framed, it's like, yeah, her, her skill literally saves a white person, you know? Like, so I just, I thought that was great. No, there's my spiel. I saw the um, I saw this a couple weeks ago, but I'll mention it now because it comes out this week. I saw Gold, which is the uh, Matthew McConaughey um, film where he stars as a prospector, which is that's a fun word to use because you don't use that nearly enough. Um, he's like a he's like a an unlucky business guy who goes on a whim to Indonesia to mine for gold with Edgar Ramirez, who plays a you know a, a miner. Uh, like a, a, a gold miner person. He goes around trying to find gold. They seem to strike it rich, and then it turns into Matthew McConaughey becomes Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, and they do a bunch of business stuff, and you th- you would think things would like go crazy from there or whatnot, but they just kind of don't. The movie, it's not very good. McConaughey's great in it. Given that he's not playing a real person, it's just based loosely on a real story. I'm not sure why he needed to like get a giant gut and like shave his head so he can make himself look like he's balding and things like that. It seemed like it's like it's a lot of effort for a character that you know you're not even basing anyone actually on. But the, it just it doesn't have that much energy. It's it's directed by Stephen Gagan, who 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 won an Oscar for writing Traffic and directed Syriana. This is his first film since Syriana, which was surprising to me. That's like oh, almost 12 years ago. But it it's not written by him though in the same way those other films were, and it seems like it's it's it it doesn't have that much energy. It's not as process driven as those other films, as Traffic and Syriana were, as far as a Gagan film is concerned. And it it just it's not all that exciting given the wild premise, which you know has some you know attachments to reality as far as a you know an unlucky business guy strikes it rich with gold, and you have all these like character actors in here. It seems like a movie that'd be a lot more fun than it actually is. But uh, yeah, just not a not great. I can see. How's, how is Bryce Dallas Howard? She's wasted. I mean, she's just obligatory girlfriend character who eventually has some like drama scenes of yelling at McConaughey and stuff. Like, it's nothing spectacular at all. She was great in uh, Black Mirror recently. She's really good. 
Yeah, the 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 uh, the one the is it the first? It's the first episode, I think. Right? It's the first episode, yeah. the one of with the social media yeah. thing. Yeah, I'd ar- I, I'd argue that's probably one of one of her better performances that I've seen from Bryce Dallas Howard. I, I, cer- certainly more certainly recently more than Jurassic World. So, uh, yeah. And uh, all right, so that's out oh, no cookies. <laughs> TM. All right, let's uh, let's move into the Oscar nominations now. Let's uh, let's get into that. So we we got all these nominations for the Oscars this year. Lots of Lots of, lots of, uh, there's some interesting things that happened to the Oscars, and we'll get to it. You guys want to go, you want to start Best Picture and go down from there? I think that makes the most sense? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Okay. Sure. All right. I'm not going to go over every, I mean, I'll go over for this, because, you know, it's the big one, but I'm not going to go over, like, every single one, and go over every single nominee and everything, but we'll just kind of go over some general thoughts or what have you and uh, see where things take us. But, uh, so we have the Best Picture uh, nominations. Uh, the nominees for Best Picture were Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hidden Figures, Hell or High Water, La La Land, Moonlight, uh, Lion, and Manchester by the Sea. I think that's all. Of them. Yeah. So yeah, there. Those are the those are the nominees. General general thoughts on this on, on what we well, got here. First, first, um, I have only seen six of the nine. This is the first time in a while that that there's like three of them I haven't seen. I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge. I haven't seen Lion, and I haven't seen Fences yet. Uh, which I can't believe I haven't seen Fences yet. Uh, David, how many have you seen of the nine? I've only seen two, Hidden Figures and La La Land, but uh, I definitely need to. I'm going to try to crank this out by, what is, what is it? The 20, February? 26th is when the Oscars are, yeah. Oh, yeah, February 26th. Um, I'm not sure how far I'll get because I don't know if, if too many of these are still playing in theaters, but uh, I'll I'll do my best. I think of the next, of the next. well, how many have you seen, Aaron? I've seen them all. I, uh, oh. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> what are your top three? Um, I've ranked all of them actually. Uh, from greatest to least, um, I, of the best picture nominees, my favorite would be Moonlight, then La La Land, then Hell or High Water, then Manchester, then Arrival, then Hidden Figures, then Fences, then Lion, then Hacksaw Ridge. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so obviously top three: Moonlight, La La Land, and Hell or High Water. Um, what are the chances of Moonlight beating La La Land? You think? I don't think they're very high. I feel like La La, La, La Land has like 14 nominations. It's a record. It ties the record with Titanic, and uh, it's not all about Eve. Or something. Was it Lord Lord of the Rings or something? The Lord of the Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, it's uh, all about Eve. All about Eve. That's what I thought. Yeah, Lord of the Rings just it it was nominated for 11. Return of the King was nominated for 11 Oscars and won all 11 Oscars. That's how that. Oh, okay. Titan, Titanic and Lord of the and, Titanic and um, Ben Hur and Lord of the Rings all are tied for each winning eleven Oscars. But yeah, this, gotcha. but these have more than that. Yeah, <laughs> try to keep the math and the trivia straight here on these. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, what else? All right. So the next one you both think I should watch would be Moonlight. Moonlight would be yes, that'd be the the one to watch. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but as I was saying, yeah, I think La La Land has all these nominations. I. I can't say for sure that it's going to sweep, but I won't be surprised if it, you know, kind of cleans up in the night. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be. I, I hope I hope it doesn't, because uh, I'm in the camp that didn't absolutely love it. I thought it was really well done, the production values, but I just never fell in love with any of the singing. And I know that's the point. That's what the, they all say. It's supposed to be normal people singing. But to me, um, yeah, it just it lacks some some sort of real. Uh, escape i don't know i I don't know what maybe it is uh yeah i don't maybe i just need to see it again to really see what people are talking about perhaps well peter you're you you, i know moonlight's your favorite film of the year but you you enjoy la la land certainly too right oh yeah i mean moonlight to me is yeah i mean it's so far ahead to me of like the best movies of the you know if i was doing a 
a numerical order. It's it's at least probably you know ten points ahead or seven or eight points higher than most other movies. But but I really liked La La Land. It's strange, uh, David. I didn't really like the opening. Really? Um, I was a little worried because everyone's like, "Oh, this opening on the freeway is so fantastic," and I was like, eh, what, "This is okay." What's your problem but, with it? I'm curious. Uh, like it just it it's weird. It maybe it would it might like David said maybe if I see it again it, maybe it was that whole like it just wasn't clicking for me yet. Like it, it yeah. I, I, I wasn't soaring with the musical vibe. And there was something about that opening. I was like, I don't know about this. And then what I ended up liking was I liked getting to know Ryan Gosling's character and Emma Stone. And then once I kind of liked their chemistry, the whole movie kind of fell into place. And that ends great. I mean, just right. like, just like Whiplash, that guy really knows how to close a film, man. I mean, like he, he really like, those are both really terrific finales. Um, a giant, I, like, well, I, I mean, a giant one shot in that opening didn't like get to you in some way. <laughs> No, because the the singing wasn't good enough, and it was none of the people on the freeway were main characters except for you know Ryan Gosling this and is, Emma Stone. But the singing that was just so mediocre, so mediocre in the opening song. And you know, me, it yeah, I, it's interesting. You're focusing on the singing, and I I get that. My focus was more that I this is going to sound like a strange comparison, but it was it was another kind of long tracking shot that reminded me of last was it last year? When was Spectre? Was that two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago, where everyone was like, "Oh, the opening is Spectre. That's their biggest opening ever." And I was like, "Meh." I was like, "I'm not feeling this." Like, uh, I, I don't know. There is, there is something. Really, you're about... done. That's part. I mean, Spectre has its problems, and I would say that's a highlight. That opening. Yeah, probably is. Once I finished the movie, but at the time when I was watching the opening, I was like, "This is okay." I was like, "This scene's not as amazing as as I was thinking." Because I had heard about it. I don't know. Yeah, La La Land. But 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 La La Land. I always go back on, you know, I mean, Moonlight is my favorite movie of the year, but La La Land's in my top five. I mean, it's like that, Manchester by the Sea, uh, Lobster, which which did get a screenplay nomination. I was happy about that. By the uh, way, but... I like I like how Lobster's in your top five, and I really, I told you, I said, it's going to stick with you, and sure enough, it has, because you're still thinking about it. Oh, yeah, Lobster's great. I know, but, yeah. at the, but that, when you first saw it, you were like, yeah, it was fine. Like, you, you, or you, you were at least, it seemed like you'd be, you were less on it when you had first seen it compared to what you're telling me now that it's in your top five. Oh, I really, yes, I would agree. That's another one with a great ending. Like, that, that has really stuck with me. Like, that's really, yeah, I know, you're right. That the movie's really uh, stuck with me. But um, I think David's right, though. I pretty sh- I'm pretty sure La La Land's going to win. However... Do we think this could be a Ang Lee moment? Do we think Barry Jenkins could win director? No. Which, to be honest, uh, no. is a big, <laughs> I, would be a bigger deal to me. I, I don't think that at all, because I think the, the thing about La, La the highlight of La La Land is the direction. That's what I would I would argue. I think that more so than the performances. Like, while Stone mate might win be, best, uh, best Actress, I really doubt Gosling would win Best Actor, unless they, Academy just really loves La La Land. I, I do think so what, I, I think the, so, the star of the movie is the direction. I think that's what really is, you know, the thing that it's kind of it wor- works best with it. Right. So the ideal situation, I guess, would be for La La Land to win directing and for Moonlight to win picture. That I I mean that's that's kind of what I'd want if anything too because I I, t- I think the Moonlight's a better film, but I think La La Land the direction is is admirable enough for me to want to see that win an Oscar. Um, I doubt that will happen. I think it'll just be a straight as usual picture and director line up with each other because that's generally the case it's rare when there's a you know a split like that actually i, I thought it's been split for the last couple of years it's uh, happened or... it's happened a few times in the past within the past like five what years was, 
What was Argo? Argo won picture, yeah, but he wasn't no, was nominated. Ang Lee won Life for Life of Pi, I believe. Ah, that's right. Because okay, so Affleck, Affleck wasn't nominated for director. That was the thing. That was the second time Ang Lee wins, but the movie doesn't win, because then Brokeback, he won. Yes. Oh, and Crash wins. Crash right? wins, yeah. So. <laughs> say, that, say that Ang Lee, both times he wins, do you think that is an example of what you're saying, where it is awarding Ang Lee... The, that that very much the, that the star of that was his direction is that what you're kind of saying about La La Land and that's why Ang Lee wins one for those two I mean well, especially Life of Pi with, Li- I mean, well, with Life of Pi I mean again Affleck wasn't nominated for best director so that really made it weird right there which led to a lot of you know thoughts on what is going to happen with this given that there's the the best the likely best picture winner isn't nominated for best director. I think Crash, you know, Crash I think was a weirder situation. That was more of a right. like it Crash kind of built up a lot of esteem over its time, so it ended up getting that best picture thing, even though Ang Lee made the movie many people consider to be better. Right. I think that has there's there's something legitimate there though, because when you look at Life of Pi, uh, that that movie was uh, oh its direction was, is its highlight. Yes, for sure. Yeah, the directing because that could have been directed any which way, and it could have been uh, less interesting yeah. film and it, i mean i don't think i would want to watch that movie again but that direction was so powerful that it you really feel like you're on that boat with him. yeah i, I saw and, life of pi three times in theaters i really liked life of pi a lot yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i did too but it was just like i didn't want that feeling anymore of being on that raft oh yeah and, i mean as far as the, yeah. the journey it's a difficult one right yeah and argo is just a really it's precision it's a top thriller yes it is yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so i think it's you know, I, I think that could happen again this year. That's it's not out of the question. It's it's happened before, and, and if both of you have seen Moonlight and La La Land and feel that way, I feel like the Academy usually kind of goes with. Uh, well, well, that's not true. I, yeah, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then I remember Titanic happened over L.A. Confidential, and like, okay, well, and Beautiful Mind over Fellowship of the Ring. That was another travesty. Well, I mean, for me. well, uh, we always assumed that that was because they were waiting to give Jackson the third one. Was that the idea? I don't yeah, know. but I, I always hated that. You know, it's just if the movie really is better than just award it and don't give it to return. Well, and most and most would argue Fellowship is the best, even though I love the I mean, I, so I don't. No, a lot of people really like Fellowship. No, I'm saying like, I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's it's fine. I, I like I like them more as they go along. Although Two Towers has slowly kind of risen above Return of the King for me every time I kind of... Return of the King has been my favorite, but I haven't watched them in a while. But Uh, but when we first saw Fellowship of the Ring, that was the first time we saw anything like that. That was pretty great. Yeah, but I I didn't grow up with Tolkien, and I wasn't as stunned as many people seem to be by Fellowship of the Ring. I was just like, oh, that was was a movie. Wait, Aaron, I'm assuming Fellowship is a thumbs up, right? Yeah, but it's like like a 7 out of 10 for me. What? Oh, my God. I mean... (laughs) I can't wait to keep talking about this year's Oscars, by the way. (laughs) Okay, let's 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 move on. Let's move on. If you want to do these retrospectives on these on the Lord of the Rings, you can. Uh, Okay, wait. So, in in alternate universe, what? Okay, let's assume let's assume that it's not. Once Gandalf dies in Fellowship, or you know, falls down, I just stop. The movie just loses all its momentum. They're just like, let's go to see Galadriel for forty five minutes. Like, I don't want to hang out with Kate Blanchett right now. I'm back to this. I know. Go on. I'm just saying. Go on. Um, So let's assume if for some reason it was not La La Land or Moonlight that wins Best Picture, which I would assume we would think that's probably one of the two. Yeah. If you had to pick another one, though, would you pick? Arrival? Would you pick? Um, I would pick. Like, I, he, he said Hell or High. Yeah, based Water. on my t- based on my own top ten list, I oh, I go true. Hell or High Water. 
uh, as far as what's also possible, Manchester by the Sea is the other kind of you know high praise possible winner. Was there was there any surprise? Were you surprised that Arrival got nominated for Best Picture? No, Arrival's gotten all the acclaim and it's a box office for hit. Both, but, but I was surprising the Adams didn't. Get yeah, I was surprised. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get to the actress. Um, all right, let's. I was. Shall we move on? No, no, not yet, because I still want to say. Um, I I, oh, okay. I I was happy that Deadpool didn't make it into the Best Picture nominees because like. Oh God! I was yeah. I was alarmed by all these Guild awards it was getting nominated for. It's like really like uh, like I'm all, I'm I'm happy with I, I, you know representing genre films and other things that are outside the norm. But it's like there were better ones that we could go with. Here. <laughs> Do you think though that Ryan Reynolds should have got a Best Actor? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I liked him. But he, he was no. he was good at being that funny guy he generally is. But I mean I didn't see much that like really the, the dramatic heft or what have you that really made me think differently about ryan reynolds <laughs> all right all right Fair especially enough. again i think the category actors less competitive than actress was but i there's other there's other performances i would like to see before even some of the ones that are in the best actor category but i'm as far as best picture goes we have nine nominees which is the first time in a while it's been like eight for the past couple of years and yeah, uh, yeah deadpool didn't get in loving didn't get in which uh some people you know expected uh, quite a bit What's the other one that I'm trying to think? Oh, it was Deadpool that I was thinking of. Um, Sully. What? Sorry. I I keep wondering if uh if Hacksaw Ridge and Gibson took the Clint Eastwood Sully de facto because it seems like Eastwood gets nominated a lot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, Sully will get nominated. Well, we get, we, so I'm, well, there there will be more to say about that when we get to Best Director. But uh, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge got. I'm some, I I I guess it's the it's the Weinstein magic that's making Lion get in there. Like I like Lion quite a bit, but it's like wow. No, no one has seen Lion really, <laughs> but it's getting like all these nominations. So it's like, okay, good. People, more people will see it. But that clearly seems like that's how that's how the Weinstein's operate. They're able to get these nominations for little movies like Lion that you know have very little buzz compared to some of the other ones. Uh, but anyway, all right. Let's begin. Are there are there are there any movies that you really wanted to have get into the Best Picture nominations and you that didn't? I mean, based given my top ten of my favorite movies of the year. Zootopia would have been nice to see or Patterson, but I didn't expect either of those. Well, it's, it's, if it was earlier in the year, I could have I could have seen Zootopia as a possibility, given just the amount of success and the amount of praise that it has. But uh, yeah, that's rare though for an animated. To it is hit it, that spot. It is very. How many times? Is, how many times animated? Three times. I think three. Like once or tw- once it's, or it's twice. It's Beauty and the Beast, Up, and did Toy Story three make it in there. Yeah, Toy Story three. So that's three. But you know what I would have liked? <clears throat> this is so funny because this is me coming from a position of just I would like to see breaking the mold because technically I haven't finished this thing because it's like seven hours um it would have been interesting if OJ uh, if Made in America would be the first because I think there's never been a documentary for for no, best film no, there hasn't right? no but there has been animated and there has been foreign but for some reason documentary has not been able to do that and everyone I know says Made in America is like the best thing ever well, some people are saying that that's the best thing in the entire year. Yeah, I've, so I'm. So I know Thirteenth I mean, had a big run too for possibly being best picture. The Ava DuVernay's documentary. That would have been cool. A documentary getting nominated. I think when Fahrenheit 9/11, right? I think people were saying, "Oh, it's going to get best picture," and it didn't happen. But I mean, that would be interesting to actually see a documentary be up for best picture. Yeah. So it would be. It's a. We'll get to documentaries because I've actually seen almost all of them at this point, which is rare for me before the Oscars happen. All right, let's get to these acting categories. Uh, best actor, we have Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, and Denzel for Fences. 
apparently I could just say Denzel because we all know. But I can't say Vigo without saying Vigo Mortensen for some reason. I don't I don't know what it is. Because it could be the Carpazian. Yeah, Vigo the Carpazian from Ghostbusters 2. He's back. <laughs> and he's acting now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his giant head in dramatic roles. <laughs> I am Captain Fantastic. <laughs> anyway. Um, this is pretty straightforward. Not many surprises here at all, really. I get you could you could Vigo is as Captain in Captain Fantastic. I think you could kind of see that coming at this point, but that's probably the most wild card of the of the bunch. But then again, I don't necessarily know who else would have gotten in over him. For for I'll let you guys talk in a second. For me, I would have liked to see Garfield nominated for Silence instead of Hacksaw Ridge. I think it's the better performance of Garfield's. To I go to Japan to fight. Japanese people and yeah, use religion as I was my thinking weapon. About that, yeah. um, and I also think Ryan Gosling was much better in nice, the nice guys than he was in La La Land. Um, but here we are. <laughs> well, he's really good in nice. Guys. He's great in the yeah. nice guys. I... Yeah, he's really good in nice guys. Um, yeah, he's really. It's good. a fully fleshed out character, by the way, too. Where La La Land, you know, you kind of see most of him, but he's not the most deep of characters. But he learned piano, so you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was. He wasn't acting that. <laughs> Because I haven't seen Denzel and Garfield, so it's tough for me. Well, I'm like, I mean, the funny thing is, like, <laughs> I look at, like, Vigo and Denzel, and I think, these are, like, the best actors working right now, and they're both going to lose to Casey Affleck, which is like, all right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think both of these guys are pretty terrific in everything they do, and I wouldn't necessarily say these are their best performances, not because they're bad, but just because I've seen them be even somehow greater than they are in these movies. Right. But still, Casey Affleck is the guy that's going to win this, and it's it's not helping. It's see, not helping all the stuff that you know I've read recently about Casey Affleck. I'm just kind of like begrudgingly accepting <laughs> that he's going to win, as opposed to being excited about it. But uh, yeah, do you think people will discount Denzel because he's already played this role before on stage? I'm not sure. I I don't have a stat on me, by the way, either of like uh, of actors that won for like best actor that have also a, performed the you know like the role yeah there is a precedent for that that has happened though there has been times where yeah I, yeah i um, can't think of some broadway tom broadway they win and then they make a movie and they win it has happened so okay yeah i mean it, um, yeah, it, does, it doesn't I mean, count against him essentially that's what we're saying yeah i mean i i i, I kind of see what aaron's saying like i watched um captain fantastic on my plane ride over to um Chicago over the holidays and it's good. It's a solid movie, but he's pretty great. And like it, 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 it you're right. It is the, wow, man, that, he's a really good actor. Like I forgot how good that guy is. Like, um, oh, I never forget. But, I just, I just like that. He, he Vigo chooses not to be in big movies. He just chooses like, you know, little movies and he's generally great in them. Like I'm a huge Eastern promises fan and he was nominated for Eastern promises. Uh, I would have liked to see him win free. I think that movie's amazing, but um, it's like Vigo just shows up every now and then it's like, all right, I'm going to do this great performance now and probably get nominated. And here he is again, even though he's like no chance of winning, but it's like, hey, here I am, guys. But to be fair, though, I mean, I, Casey's really terrific. He is. He's, uh, he's very good in the movie. Manchester yes. by the Sea. So, and if you're going to award Manchester by the Sea, I always feel like I know that it's not I know that the Oscars are not um, I don't want to say rigged. It's not that it's rigged, but it's not like certain awards are done in a design. But it feels to me like the way that you award Manchester by the Sea is his performance. So it feels like, oh, yeah, that's for sure he wins that, and that's the way of awarding Manchester by the Sea. Even though it's not really done that way, it, a lot of times when I see the Oscars... It the the logic like, kind of dictates what you expect the thing to be praised the most for, I guess, in that regard. Right. But he's great. Yeah, I mean, so I wouldn't have any issues. I'm, I am still really curious about um, 
this Hacksaw Ridge thing that really kind of came out of nowhere. Because I, I kept hearing mixed things. Because, I, I mean, you, that's like your last place movie, according to you, right? Yeah. I mean... I I have more to say when we get to director about it. I'm just trying to try not to make it, I'm trying to try to spread the focus around so we don't repeat the same points too much. But uh, but yeah, I mean again, unless the Oscars are all about La La Land in every category, Casey Affleck's probably got this going. David, were you going to say something about this? No, I was just going to use Vigo as an excuse to get back to Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> no, just just kidding. Well, it could have been Stuart Tom. Is it Stuart Thompson? Stuart, is that Stuart, Stuart Townsend, yeah. Townsend. Could be him. He could be Captain Fantastic <laughs> right now. Like. As far as who could have been in here, by the way, Adam Driver for Patterson, uh, given that it's my favorite movie of the year, but also he's just really great in it. I love it. But uh, I didn't expect that once again. That's, it's just more like... That was, the, that was the movie about the bus driver, right? Yes, the, yeah. but Patterson is his name, and Patterson is where he lives, because it's quirky like that. <laughs> but, uh, <Yeah. laughs> let's move on. Let's get to Best Actress. Um, we have Isabel Huppert for Elle, Ruth Nega for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> so yeah, we're not, we don't see a- Amy Adams here, who seems like a pretty big given for Arrival, but yet that didn't happen. Or Annette Benning for 20th Century Women, who also seemed like one that was kind of a, a big possibility. Haji B. Henson. Or Taraji B. Henson, who also, yeah, was kind of, especially since the Academy seemed to go for uh, Hidden Figures quite a bit in other categories. But yeah, Isabel Luper made it then, which I know a lot of people are happy about, um, given that it's, you know, she's she's never been nominated before, she's a veteran actress and whatnot, uh, which I think was probably like, it could have been her or Annette Benning in that slot right there. Uh, uh. Ruth Nega made it in for Loving, which is cool, just because it's, it's an understated performance compared, there's... I don't. I, I'll be very curious what scene they show at the Oscars because there's not many like th- th- there's no like big speech scene for her compared to the other actors in this category. <laughs> like even Taraji B Henson, whose performance is also pretty like uh, there's that you know there's the one scene where she's like right. out of the rain coming in the office and yelling at everybody, um, and Kevin Costner's like what racism? Um, <laughs> time to tear down some signs. <laughs> that was his response to that one. Uh, but that was a good. That was good. That was a good scene. It's fine. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the curious thing for me is Meryl Streep, who scored her twentieth nomination uh, for Florence Foster Jenkins, and I just wonder, is the Academy <laughs> like? Has anyone seen it? I have, but I mean, beyond the quality, that like it's Meryl Streep. You know, it's a good performance, but it's like, do does she need to be awarded <laughs> again? Like, does do we need to not see representation of other actresses that you know? haven't gotten a chance to shine in this light in the same way that Meryl has for multiple decades. Well, wait, I, I will say this, though. I have not seen the movie, but I have to say, from what I hear about the movie, I like the premise, and that does sound like an interesting role for Street. Because she's, cause if I'm right, she's playing someone who's not talented, right? That's like the hook. Yes. So actually, that it's not like, Meryl Streep yet again in another period piece with a perfect accent. It, that's not what the role. Well, is. that's so exactly like, what it is. I mean, she's she's a, she's in a period piece and it's a perfect accent. She just happens to be playing well, a character that has a certain quirk about her, and wears and wears fancy hats. I, yes. Well, yeah. Right. I guess as opposed to like Margaret Thatcher or something like. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I I I I of course would have loved. I mean, I haven't seen Foster Jenkins, but. I really would have liked, you know, Amy Adams and Taraji P. Henson in there somehow, or an F. Benny, you know. So um, everyone keeps telling me how good uh, Isabel. What's your last name? Uper. Uper. Yeah. Huppert. How great she is. <laughs> Huppert. Yeah. So 
Um, do you think? Do you think? Actually, wait. Who do you think is going to win? I. That's tough. This this is a tougher one to predict. I I. And certainly, there's you know weeks to go, so it could shift around. But again, if it's all about La La Land, it's Emma Stone's. Um, I know Portman was getting a lot of love early on for Jackie, which is also possible. And then there's also Uper, who's gotten plenty of you know acclaim for Elle. So I, I think it's between those three for sure. Um, it's but... probably not going to be Meryl's year unless they really want to make a political statement and having her win. I, yeah, that's yeah. I just I can't see her winning again. It just seems more like a, it's a nice to be nominated once again <laughs> kind of performance. Uh, I'm really surprised it got this far, by the way. I was like, all right, she'll get that Golden Globe nomination for sure. It's like, oh, nope, the Oscars went for it too. All right. Those campaigns, <laughs> they really work. But yeah, it's tr- I, I don't know, Peter. Like, it, it's between those between those three, is, in my eyes, as far as who's going to win. And I get the edge goes to Stone just because La La Land seems like it's probably going to win a lot of awards. And of the two, Stone's better than Gosling in that movie. Um, and it's, you know. More. You it's, have to also consider that she won for the Golden Globe. And... The Globe doesn't matter that much, but we I, SAG, yeah, SAG but hasn't happened sometimes yet. Sometimes it, they do. Yeah, sometimes they do. Well, it's more like sometimes they line up. They, sometimes they line up, but it's more it, it's if popularity kind of matches with the Academy. But the SAG, the, when the SAG Awards come along, that'll give a better impression of what's to come. Well, because the SAG Awards has there are people who vote in SAG that are, in, that are also. The yeah, they're in the actor. They're in the acting guilds. Right. Hollywood Foreign Press is not related at all. Yeah, so that's why it's, it's a just little... a bunch of random people that made right. an award ceremony that happened to be popular. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah. They're, they're they're reporters or journalists. Yeah, Ninety right. random reporters that you don't know <laughs> that vote on this thing uh, called the Poppies, the Popular Awards. Poppies is actually a toy award that uh, is online somewhere. Neat. Captain Toy. Oh, all right. You know, it's, yeah. It's it's funny if Amy Adams had been nominated. Even though I really like Moonlight, or love Moonlight, sorry, and really like La La Land, there would be a weird part of me that would kind of want some ra- some alternate universe where Arrival sweeps because I like the idea. It's like we've had Gravity, Martian, Interstellar. It would be so nice to finally have a movie that has a you know kind of adult science fiction angle actually win Best Picture. That would have been so cool, you know. Like yeah. so, and if it had been nominated. I'd be like, oh, they have a chance because like she's the heart of the movie, you know. But I'm like, nope, they have no chance now. Like, so if if, if only Rogue One was better. <laughs> well, that's another conversation for like in a little while, but yeah. <laughs> Interstellar wasn't Supporting. a yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd be. I mean, if, if Amy Adams is in this race, I'd be curious too because she's you know she's been nominated. That that would make it like her fourth or fifth not fourth nomination, I think. One yet? And no, she hasn't won yet. No. Um, so I'd be, I'd be curious. That would shift things around, I think, as far as what the expectation would be. But uh, Meryl Streep, guys. Um, all right, let's get to the supporting actors. Supporting act, best supporting actor: Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel in Lion, and Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. What about this one? Oh, uh, let's see. Aaron Taylor Johnson did not get nominated, even though he won the Golden Globe, which that was a thing right there to, uh, to note. Dev, <laughs> Dev Patel, um, a, a, and see Brit, British Indian is that what? It, it, yes, yeah, something like that. Need to see the representation there. Mahershala Ali also, of course, and I, you know, I mentioned numerous uh, black actors so far in the other acting categories, and there's there's actually, there's one in every category this yeah, year. In best supporting actress, there's three. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is a record, uh, not, by the way. Not at, 
Yeah, it is. It is. It's, yeah, Oscar's less white. It seems it's like, like you the, know, um, <laughs> yeah. It's almost it's almost a, like a knee jerk reaction, but like it's great. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally fine with it, and uh, it's interesting how that happened. You know, well, did they really try, or are these really genuinely well, it, the greatest? Well, ever? I mean, it helps that there's just the 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 number of members or the diversity of the members is really switched up um, in the in this past year as far as a. Uh, people from all over the place kind of voting on these things and not just the average age 60 year old white man um, in these in the in the academy and it's certainly you know it's it's reflected in the nominees uh, quite a bit right so i haven't seen any of these films for the supporting roles what do you guys think i think th- oh i'm chances are i'm okay. Mahershala for moonlight that seems to be the the, the big pot the big probability is probably going to go to him at this point right now although jeff bridges also is a these were the supporting actors are fun i mean while the next one has a pretty much a guaranteed win. This one, there could be a big, there could, it could go into anybody really. Like it, th- these tend to have surprises in them, so it could easily go to. True, yeah. supporting can have surprises. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I really hope, uh, uh, Mahershala. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really rooting for him, and I, 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 yeah. I mean, and pretty much everyone, I, I, I feel like Moonlight. It's a tricky thing because you have three actors playing the same person, so you have these kind of different. Like, how would you grade that? I mean, how would you have awarded that? And I, most, most everyone tends to really like Mahershala Ali's performance, you know, as this kind of father figure. I, I don't. So there's I, not a weak link yeah. in the bunch in that cast. Like everybody's so great. Um, yeah, I mean, I would really, I really be rooting for him. It's strange. I love Jeff Bridges, and of course, I mean, I like Hell Hard Water. It's, it's terrific. But I would feel it's strange. He hasn't been nominated as much. He was only nominated. Wait, he's only won one. He won, yeah, he won for um, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy horse, crazy. Uh, what was it? That was like last year, two years. It was ago? like Very three, recent, three or four right? years ago now. At this point, it's weird though because like he's nowhere near the status of like a Meryl Streep. But if he were to win, it would to me feel a little similar to that. I'd be like, really, Jeff Bridges? Like, it, even though he's really great, he's, it's a really good movie. I mean, but. Yeah, it's the kind. Well, it's, it's a very Jeff Bridges role. Like it's not. It's not. It, it seems like something that he can yeah. easily do. That's not. That's not saying he's bad in it. And it helps that the movie's you know pretty terrific and what he's doing is pretty. Ter- but it's just like it's 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 things I've seen from Jeff Bridges before compared to a lot of these newer actors who are you know they're really delivering on things and they're you know you you don't you know see them as a crazy heart. That's the movie. I'm trying, I was trying to think of the movie. <laughs> that's why I was vamping because I wanted to think of the movie he won for. But um. Yeah, I've been saying, you know, Lucas Hedges is the youngest one. He's new here. Uh, Deb Patel, who got, you know, many argue he was snubbed for Slumdog Millionaire as far as getting a nomination for that movie. He's now here for Lion. And Michael Shannon is just consistently great in all movies. So just seeing him, you know, amongst these people here, that's, you know, that's that's nice to see as well. And, of course, Mahershala Ali is probably a favorite right now. So, but, I, I mean, it really it really could just go to anybody. I, it, it'll be interesting. I, I would doubt Hedges just because the... Academy likes to let people kind of get their turn, essentially, and it's just like this young kid over all these other guys. That seems unlikely. It's more just tell that to Anna Paquin. When she... it, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. It, there are well, there are surprises. It happens. See, I tend to think that I tend to think that it, what it usually is is the young ingenue gets supporting. So, I mean, Anna Paquin was actually too young to be an ingenue. She's a little kid, but I mean, like oh, Mr. Tomei or whatever. Like it's a young young kind of starlet. And then usually I think supporting is an older thing, like Jack Lance. Like, so, I mean, in that way, but Jeff Bridges already won. I will say Michael Shannon, who you brought up, who's a terrific actor, that 
unlike the Jeff Bridges, that's one of his that is one of his best roles. I I, I mean, I think Max Shen's pretty terrific in a lot, but mm-hmm. that's that's a really great role for him. It is in Nocturnal. And like, it's, I mean, it's a very Michael Shannon role too. I would say it is, and, and you're right to follow your Jeff Bridges thing, but. I don't know, man. He, I mean, I was a little mixed on Nocturnal Animals. So was I, but, you know. But, but, it, but no, he, he delivers. He's, he's the highlight of the movie, I would say. Yeah, yeah and he's terrific. So, like, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing for Ali, but, I mean, yeah, I'd have no problem. I mean, and, uh, yeah, and, he's really good. And given that we've both seen Nocturnal Animals, you know what I mean when I say you feel like his character in that movie would smirk at Aaron Taylor Johnson's character in that movie, just given their relationship to each other and seeing that he was nominated and Aaron Taylor Johnson wasn't. I could see a very, like, sly look that he would give him if like these two characters met up and saw these nominations like after after he won the golden globe and then shannon gets it the next day it's like ha that's that's kind of funny True, although i will say i think that might be my favorite unlike the shannon thing who we say is consistently good i go back and forth on uh taylor johnson and i think he's really good he is actually uh, Shannon's is a more interesting role, but Taylor's pretty good. Well, he's, he was very good at showing me something different and just yes. making me feel yeah. a certain way, which was uncomfortable for the most part. Yeah. So, it's, yes. I mean, he's very he was very effective in that manner. I still think Shannon's the more deserving of actors as far as who to give praise to in that movie. But, um, you know, J- Johnson certainly, you know, he he earned his, cra- his, uh, his credit there. Um, okay, Best Supporting Actress... Uh, we have Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. All 11 minutes of her performance in that movie. Um, <laughs> I've only seen Hidden Figures, and I don't think Octavia's going to get it because she does play her a usual Octavia Spencer kind of role. She's already she's won. won. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. didn't have to shit in the pie this time, so She's that's nice, I guess. But um, this is yeah, this is Viola. Yeah. This is the Viola yeah, Davis. This is the Viola Davis category. This is she's yeah, she's got this. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if there was a surprise win in this one. That's it with Octavia Spencer. Do you think she should have been here or uh, Janelle Monet? Oh yeah. Um. Hmm. You know. Yeah. She was the 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 music. She's like a pop star, like a recording yes. artist. She's also she's also in Moonlight, the... by the way, and she's quite good in Moonlight with um, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, she was like she was really fun to watch in that in uh, Hidden Figures. Well, it seems like she had more to do in that movie. Where Octavia Spencer, yeah. I mean, she has a big scene of Kirsten Dunst that you know is effective and everything. But uh... yeah, but it's it's you know it's basically she's played that role before, and you know she's really good at the mm-hmm, yeah know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> the old mm-hmm uh, yeah I, I get it yeah, yeah exactly yeah anyways <laughs> so I think. You know, and she's won before, and uh, I don't think this is. Yeah, you know, it had been more. It would have been more fun or interesting to see Janae uh, in this category because she. I don't think I've seen her in a film before. Uh, you said she was in. She's the also in. Yeah, she. She that. and Mahershala Ali. They're both. They, they reunited for Hidden Figures, even though they don't. And and Naomi Harris. And it, what? No, Naomi Harris nominated for Moonlight. Also. Yeah, she's nominated. Yeah, no, I met. I met, yes, met Monet and and. Ali are both in Moonlight as well as Hidden Figures. Oh, that's true. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Harris in Moonlight um, also is another. Yeah, like yeah, it would have been. Yeah. I mean, she's she is of the three. Hers is the more understated. I mean, you're right. Octavia Spencer is definitely doing what we would see as like an Octavia Spencer thing. Um, but but they're all good. But yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, it goes back to the I, I really wanted Taraji for lead actress like that. To me, is who mm-hmm. should have been nominated. But but yeah, I would. Yeah, she was good. Um, 
But yeah, this is, this is the Davis category, especially given that I've seen Fences. Like, since she's not in Best Actress, where it'd be a lot more, there'd be more competition. She's running away with it in supporting actors because it's she's she commands that move. I mean, she and Denzel command the move, but it's she's in it just as much as he is, and yet somehow it's she's a supporting actress. But uh, that's that's really interesting. Oh, wait, she's yeah. in it that much? I thought it was. Yeah, she's in, based, so she's, not like that. Oh, she's in like every scene in the movie. Yeah, like it's it's rare. Oh, it's rare that we don't was, see her. Like <laughs> she's she's like. It was another doubt, like a Michelle Williams, where she's just that one big scene in the. Commercial. No, no, yeah, d- doubts. Yeah, there's like a couple scenes in that movie for her, and she got that nomination. Well, Fences, is she's in is, the entire is she, movie. Is she is she in everything, but doesn't have as much dialogue? Do they? She's that how they... she's more in the second half than the first half, um, okay. and the movie kind of pivots her direction later on. But she, I mean, Denzel has, Denzel's, he's interacting with a lot of people, but there's, there's a lot for her to do and be involved with where it does surprise me. I mean, it's not like it says Denzel Washington fences. It says Denzel Washington and Viola Davis fences. Like, I mean, she's, all right. and I mean, okay. the movie takes place, it's a, you know, it's based off a of play. It's take, it takes place so in the, one location. You two are both in agreement. Oh, well, it ta- I'm just saying it takes oh, place. You're just in, cutting out for okay. me. So. It just, it takes place in one location. Um, and so, you know, we're constantly at the house with Viola Davis as well as Denzel, and it's just, I, I get why it's doing this, because, you know, having her and supporting actress means she's most likely going to win, so that's why you would, you know, campaign for her to be in that category as opposed to actress, but it it is more of a lead performance than a supporting performance, but yeah. Okay, um, so that's Best Supporting Actress. Let's move on to Best Director. Okay, so here we go. La La Land with Damien Chazelle, Hacksaw Ridge with Mel Gibson, Moonlight with Barry Jenkins, Manchester by the Sea with Kenneth Lonergan, and Arrival with Denis Villeneuve. Oh, now I remember what I thought could have been in Best Picture, uh, which was Silence uh, with Martin Scorsese, who I also think should have been in Best Director. But he wasn't, um, because <laughs> if I narrowing things down a bit, Hollywood decided, well, you decided not to make as many millions of dollars for the past couple years, and you made one movie, so let's reward you, racist Mel Gibson, by giving you a Best Director nomination now. I'm, I, I, we can start talking about Hacksaw Ridgemore. Um, now you, you both haven't seen it. Peter, you haven't seen it yet, right? No, no. I, I just got a screener though. Um, but I hear mixed on it. I mean, the, it's the kind of thing where like, I've already, when you're like not as over the moon as it, as you could be. And then you get it, you, you know, the movie starts getting more nominations. You suddenly start being more against the movie than you'd like to be. You know what I mean? Right. We're like. You don't. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, like, me and Lala yeah like you don't dislike the movie, but the amount of acclaim <laughs> that it gets, you're wonder. You it, it makes you, it makes you kind of dislike it, even though you don't really dislike it. That's yeah. I think people were like that about Spotlight and Bird Birdman. I think people became like, oh, that movie. Like they, yeah. I don't know about Spotlight. Boyhood. I remember there was a lot of like. <laughs> oh, Boyhood. Yeah, Boyhood had a lot of that. That's. I didn't like Boyhood. <laughs> All right, David, putting it out there. You did not like boy. Um, yeah, I like. There was another series of movies that was just like that, where you follow the boy growing up. It's called Harry Potter. Well, actually, that's that's multiple <laughs> movies. <that's> you could, <laughs> I mean, but it's it's several years. It's the same thing. Well, it's funny and, because people could argue that Moonlight could have been called Boyhood. It's a bit reductive, but yes, I mean, it does. It does. I mean, it really could have. I mean, it. I mean, like it's. Yeah, but it takes place over time. And but um. Anyway. Uh, with Hacksaw Ridge, like yeah, I think the movie's fine. It, I just, I don't see it as a as a best picture, let alone best director. It, it just, there's other movies that have been very well directed this year. But with well, see, what bothers what bothers me more, just to finish the point, is that I don't, I don't know what, 
like people were saying it's like Hollywood finally forgave Mel Gibson. It's like, well, what did he what did he do to deserve forgiveness? I don't understand. I don't I don't know what he did besides, well, he just didn't make a movie for a long time. And now he made, you know, his first movie in 10 years. And they're like, well, I guess it's good. So let's give him a nomination. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he's how he's repented. Wait, didn't he? <laughs> Didn't didn't he do something with uh, Jodie Foster? He starred in a movie. He starred in The Beaver, okay, which which made no money and got mixed reviews. <laughs> okay. And was in the it, it was in the midst of his you know drunken tirades. <laughs> like, yeah, and he had some right. he had some uh, looks like some revenge taking. No, yeah, he's done a, he's done a couple of like B movies, and he like he was the bad guy in the Expendables like, 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 and stuff like machete? that. Yeah, he was in a machete movie. Like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, no, but as far as far as him as a filmmaker, like he hasn't made a movie since Apocalypto, so it's like. You know, he's. It's not like he's made all these movies. It's not like he's been directing a lot of movies, but everyone's been like, "No, no, Mel Gibson, we still don't like you." He made one movie, and it's like, "Yep, you're good now." Like, here we go. It's really I weird because it was just the amount of time that he that people just started I, to ignore. It's a strange thing for me because, like, um, obviously, I'm not a fan of uh, Mel Mel Gibson's uh, anti-Semitic uh, father or Mel Gibson's own um, drunken rants. Like, obviously, I'm not. I I'm not a fan of that, uh, like uh, stuff, but it's weird because I've always liked Mel Gibson as an actor. I always think he's very charming and like has a real charisma. But frankly, um, it, honestly, I'm sure you guys are gonna, you know, this, I hope this doesn't become Shawshank too. But honestly, I don't really think Braveheart's that great. Like I don't, except for Apocalypto, that's the only movie I can think of his that I've seen that I think Gibson is a very is a is a I guess a good director. He's only directed a couple don't, movies. He's only did that in what uh, Passion. I, I don't think Passion of the Christ is that well directed. I don't think Braveheart's that well. I mean, so so I'm curious with Hacksaw Ridge. Once I started hearing Mix, I was like, oh, it, like it's going to be heavy handed and not that compelling again. Like, I mean, what do you think of the direction? I mean, was to it, to, to back up a bit, Apocalypto. I mean, as I like as as, it, as problematic as I find Mel Gibson as a person. I got to see Apocalypto for free, and it's begrudgingly I have to say it's a it's a great movie. <laughs> like it's terrific as far as like it's a great action flick that just hap- that happens to be set in Mayan culture. It's a it's very well directed, like you're saying. It it has, it does a lot of things really well. Braveheart, I do like Braveheart quite a bit. I like Rob Roy more <laughs> as far as um, uh, big big Scottish tales. Um, I think Rob Roy's the better of those those two movies that came out like in the same year. But I don't think I don't think Braveheart's poorly directed i think it's i think it's a well-made kind of epic in its own way it's not like a favorite of mine in the same way that others seem to really like braveheart such as the academy but i, I don't think it i think it got its oscar like it's i could see i could see why it won an oscar i guess um i, I think it was a product of the time too it, yeah it was just one of those like wow this is something that came out of uh, nowhere they weren't expecting anything from this actor while wow, he could he could direct a Confident yeah, a lot of things really came together a... just right for Braveheart that year, as far as yeah. Mel's popularity yeah. at the time yeah. and what have you. I guess what I don't understand is that I feel like, as the because those I think when did um Dances with Wolves? Is that nineteen ninety? Ninety or ninety one? Braveheart's ninety five, so it's like five yeah. year difference. I think like um it's weird to me that as time has gone on, a lot of people like to mention Kevin Costner and Dances with Wolves as like a movie that probably shouldn't have won and it and it doesn't hold up. But for some reason, I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people really like Braveheart. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I was like, you put in the same category as Dance of It's okay. I think I think David I think David's saying product of the time is about right. It's yeah, but eh. I, I'm just I'm just surprised 
that there's a lot of love for Braveheart still. A lot of people do like um, Braveheart. I mean, I, I again, I like Braveheart, but I, 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 I it's I, a, it doesn't it yeah. doesn't confuse me to see love for Braveheart because it's a very you know it's a, it's it does have a, it has a crowd pleasing element it, um, as far as like it, it resonates. Yeah, it does, yes, there you go. It, yes, I will, And I don't think Dances with Wolves resonates as well in in you know look all that time has passed now. I think Field of Dreams is probably Kevin oh, Costner's film that will hold up. And, love. You know me, I'm not a Costner fan, so we don't need to get into that. But um, uh, getting back, to... but we all pee the same color. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting back to this, that's enough. That, I mean, okay, so with Hacksaw, that was the original question <laughs> as far as the direction of Hacksaw Ridge. Like, it's fine. Like, but yeah, I mean, it's not doing anything that's you know new or innovative. It's just another like Mel Gibson does a lot of like very visceral action mixed with a very dram- melodramatic story. I mean it. I see. Obviously, I see what attracted him to this. But I mean, the director of *The Passion* made a movie about a soldier who went to war as a pacifist and, you know, used his religion to help guide him. Like, I get that, uh, you know, very much as far as why Mel Gibson would be attracted to something like this. The the war the war footage is like is very good as far as like action footage goes. I I wouldn't go as far as saying it's the best thing since *Saving Private Ryan* because that just sounds absurd to me just saying that out loud, um, especially because there's a lot of obvious CG in there and stuff like that. But the opening of the movie, like it's fine, but it's it it's just there's a it's just one cliche after another as far as Axel Ridge goes. There's a big love story. There's a big drill sergeant sequence, and like there's just all the stuff that you just see in every war movie. And the the only gimmick is that Andrew Garfield doesn't use guns, and it's so it I mean it's it it's well assembled and what have you. I, I don't know about the you know one of the best movies of the year, sir, and let alone one of the best directed movies of the year, where I look at something like Scorsese with Silence who has, like, essentially outdone himself in my eyes as far as both challenging himself as a director to do things he hasn't done before and take away things that are, nor- you know, are normal. He's not slumming at all. Like, he's just like, I'm going to go out of my way to make a movie that, I, like, like I've never made one before, and he accomplishes that. <laughs> but that's just that. I mean, as far as far as the others go, you have, obviously, I've mentioned Ch- Ch- Chazelle for La La Land seems, to me, like a given. But uh, it's, it is nice to see, obviously, it's nice to see Moonlight and Manchester represented. But Arrival also, because I am a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. I, I like how he's he's progressed so far in his career where he's like he's gone from making, you know, smaller films that got attention uh, to other films that got, you know, higher recognition to now being an Oscar-nominated director. Like, that's that's great. Like, in my eyes. How do you guys feel about having Best Pictures having nine nominees and then directing only five? Uh, I don't mind it. I, I mean, I, honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily need. They only to... expanded it, right? They only expanded it just to get a bigger viewership, right? That was there was no other reason to have more Best Picture nominees other than to try to get the popular movie in there. Basically, yeah. I mean, that's that's how you kind of sum it down. Yes, that's what it. I think that like it's weird because I I feel like the the Academy has struggled with. Um, I think that they. I mean, say what you will, but I I, mean, I think that they really knocked it out of the park with the first time, which was, uh, well, not the first time, but the first time in recent memory. In 2009, when they did 10 Best Pictures, it was a pretty good mixture of, like, genre, box office hit, art movie, like, I mean, Hurt Locker, right, uh, Avatar, like, it was pretty good. Now I feel like, eh, I feel like sometimes it feels like you've got your five movies that would have been nominated anyways, and then we just essentially get either more um, kind of respected indie movies or kind of respected what I would call like a middle brow entertainment, like The Help or now Hidden Figures. Even though 
I think Hidden Figures is way better. I mean, I, so, I, I would say yeah. this year is probably the best in a while as far as this yes. expanded nominees I, and how well-rounded it is where you have the ones you expect and ones that are, you know, kind of more on the popular side but still are, you know, regarded as quite good. I just, I still, it's still weird to me that, like, The Martian, Gravity, Now, Arrival, we've gotten good, strong, like, science fiction movies but it's like they can't win it's still just like come on man like uh, and and Denis Villeneuve he does a terrific he, the direction's great in Arrival like I mean and I was gonna say I mean I don't want to go on a huge tangent but like I feel like Arrival does what Contact and Interstellar couldn't which was that those three movies are all kind of about these uh, journeys of these characters and everything and for some reason the last act of those other two movies I feel like kind of bottoms out I thought Arrival, you nailed it, man. When was the last like, time you watched you, Contact? Uh, when did it come out? Mm, 2007. Probably like 10 years after. Okay. No, wait, wait, wait. The first two-thirds of Contact's great. I, I mean, but eh, the end, really, with the dad? I, uh, you like that? Yeah. I think, I mean, given that, what I like about, and I, I mean, you've argued that Robert Zemeckis is kind of an unsung hero as far as directors go. I, I but I, I think he, I think it's, because I, I, I revisited it uh, before Interstellar came out. Uh, or after after I watched Interstellar, I'm like, I want to watch Contact again. And I think that because that movie is like two and a half hours long, I think it really does a great job of earning that ending, like what it's trying to do. Like, I think it really does a good job, especially, you know, with a Carl Sagan-inspired script and all that. Like, there's there, there's a lot of good stuff in Contact. I, I know what you're saying, and I can agree to a point that I would say, yes, the t- first two-thirds are stronger than the third act, but I wouldn't say the third act is bad in Contact or that it doesn't quite, res- it doesn't deliver on what it's trying to promise. I, I really like how... Especially for that time, it's a very smart sci-fi film that kind of both it gives you both as far as you know seeing smart stuff take place as well as seeing spectacle take place. How about how about this? I think that the I think what the script is trying to do at the end of Contact is is terrific. Um, an entire character, because as I recall, now that I'm starting to think about it, the whole thing is is that she's very science based, and then she meets hunky Matthew McConaughey, who is a religious. Uh, speaker or something and the whole thing is at the end of the movie they have to basically trust her on faith right because she mm-hmm. she can't prove what she saw that actually is pretty great until An- until angela bassett's like i saw 14 hours of static like there's like <laughs> like that to, to, to uh, james woods <laughs> yeah but i don't know about the dad just something about the whole alien like we're taking the form of your father i'm just like eh, like it like that's less believable than Amy Adams to tell to, to like learning a language that can <laughs> that can whisker through time. <laughs> well, but but that's more abstract to me. I think literally becoming a human character like they do it just there's something about that that bugs me. Like I and I, I don't know. I just actually, but I will say what I really like about Arrival, which connects to Contact, is what what they are about which is you know in arrival it's about communication and everything it really hits home when you when you when all that comes together oh, yeah i um, I, guess, I guess we're saying interstellar is the weakest of the three since we're not talking about i that. actually like interstellar and contact more than arrival <laughs> but um what? yeah wow. um but you just like that director didn't you so you i mean i do I, I like all of these movies quite a bit i like all of these directors quite a bit uh but and it's you know it's almost it's almost splitting hairs as far as which one of those i prefer but i do i do it helps that interstellar has you know the the whole imax thing going on like it and on a technical level i was just very impressed by both what i was seeing and i really i did enjoy the like the third act of interstellar and just everything that was going into it i really liked seeing nolan do stuff like that in that movie david did you see any of these you mean uh, contact contact or interstellar or rival 
Yeah, I saw them. I, I saw them both. I haven't seen Arrival okay. yet. No. I love Contact though. Yo, okay, you love Contact. Okay. Yeah. Interstellar. You know, I I thought it was really well done, but then I I don't know. I kind of just there's something about it that I just doesn't doesn't score well with me. I don't know. It's just like ah, oh, it just goes in circles. Or it has I, future I Oscar know, winner just... Casey Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> and Topher Grace. Yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I mean, it, there's there's just something about it. There's something about it that didn't sit well with me. Uh, it feels like I, 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 I liked it. Well, I'll say this: it, it feels like a transitional film for Christopher Nolan. It feels like for supposedly he made that movie after he had his daughter, and so the coldness that we are no, the the cold proceduralness of of Nolan was was kind of giving which way. I, to, which I'd argue is overstated, but uh, go on. <laughs> I do think it's overstated. Uh, yeah. um, that's problems i have with interstellar but i will say it's kind of funny because you were just mentioning braveheart and the oh no no, no hacksaw ridge and not being able to really compare to saving private ryan uh i mean if all goes well dunkirk will deliver and so maybe that will be the the movie that can be compared to something like saving private ryan and it'll be the tra- and interstellar was the transition that nolan needed to get to something like oh, yeah dunkirk. we'll see yeah oh I mean, we'll see yeah. i don't know i mean i hope it looks that's a great trailer, though. I mean, the, pro, like, the so. prologue was great. I saw the prologue in theaters too, which was pretty terrific. Uh, anything else about a uh, best director? Nope. Peter, any other thoughts on anything else going on here? I mean, obviously, I think you're, you know, you'd be rooting for Barry Jenkins. I would say probably, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I am. But, but, but I, but it's just this conversation reminds me how much I like uh, Denis Villeneuve. I mean, he's he's terrific. Uh, so, th- and you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I, you talking about it, I, I have to say, I, I don't try to feel like I'm always falling into the PC trap and stuff. Cause I, I, I do want to feel like I want to see a movie judge it on its merits, but I have to say I have not been interested in silence because I didn't want to see another movie about like white guys going to Asia. <laughs> like I, I was like, really again? Like, but I, I love Scorsese and I think you've told me that driver and Garfield are really great. I'm, I just, but I don't know. You bringing it up again makes me go. Oh, I, I probably should check this out. <laughs> Every like, time I think about uh-huh. that movie, it gets better to me. And like, it's two hours. Of... Well, can you see, can you see my issue of being like, really, that's the premise? You know, like I don't um, see but... not. I, I I find it weird with but, that but, movie because that the movie requires Peter, that. It, it happened. <laughs> it, it it really happened though, Peter. It was actually a piece of history of. Yeah, it's not, it's not like Martin Scorsese sought out to, like, write some movie, and it's like, where do they go? Oh, they go to Asia. What else? Oh, they're probably white guys. Like, I, I it's like, it's a, it's a thing, and it's, beyond, and beyond where they're going and who's going there, it's more about Scorsese dealing with his own faith again, which is always fascinating. So right. here's, it's, it's not Last Samurai. It's not like, well, that's actually, yeah, yeah it's not like, it's not like Andrew Garfield's going to Japan to become the best of the Japanese as far as Christianity goes. <laughs> so it's not yeah. About, it's because, not, yeah. It's not about... Uh, a Westerner appropriating an no, Eastern it's, culture. No, it's about Eastern culture punishing the Westerner for trying to insist that they can do something better than them. Oh, actually, it's, that's it's, it's about it's missionaries. It's like yeah. Catholic missionaries, and they go over there because they're trying to spread the word of uh, Jesus Christ, whether you like that or not. I mean, this it happens. Well, the, and the movie like, deals with the the, the movie deals. No, I thought it was more like a, I thought it's an apocalypse now. I thought they're searching for Liam Neeson well, that's, or something. That's certainly that. part of it, but a bit. But I mean, the the overriding thing is that the Japanese don't want these people here, and it's about them calling them out on their arrogance for thinking that they can just come over here and and insist that their religion is the way to go and seeing the different sides of that well do they have okay do they have any actors that are asian that are good roles yes I mean, yes just... <laughs> plenty oh. <laughs> all right well that's good that's Ta- great Ta- 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 asano uh, plays the, the the interpreter he was in um 
number of movies. I know he's in a lot of Takeshi Maiki movies. He was in Battleship. Yeah, he was in he was in Thor. Um, there's another actor, Asu. I can't think of his name, but he plays the Inquisitor. Is that, yes, but and there, there's a number. Yes, there's a number of Japanese actors that are all very good in the movie. All right, all right. Well, maybe the thing I will take away from this podcast is you that should, I need. You to should go out. see Silence from I'm... one of the best directors currently working today. Yeah, I think that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move to let's move to best animated feature, a category I think David might be somewhat more familiar with. Um, I am, have, I am, except I have not seen My Life as a Zucchini or The Red Turtle. We have those, and we also have Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, and Zootopia. I've seen all except Zucchini, and I should be seeing that soon, I think, if I get a screener in time. Uh, but this is a good, this is a fun category, guys. <laughs> I like I like these movies. I, I, this, is, this is my favorite category growing up. Well, I, I growing up, I mean, it has, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm five years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so to me, I haven't because I haven't seen the Red Turtle. I haven't seen My Life as Zucchini. It, I think it really is, and they kind of ignored the biggest anime that came out last year, um, which is uh, I think it was called Your Name, right? But um, I think that this is a race between Zootopia and Kubo in the two strings. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think and you're right. I, I for me, I don't. I wouldn't mind if either one. Like I. You know, top ten wise, Utopia was higher than Kubo, although that's it's splitting hairs. But at the same time, if Kubo won, that just means Leica gets like some credit for all the stuff that it does in general, which I'd be I'd love to see. I'd love to see Leica yeah. be able to say they're an Academy no, Award winning company. Interesting. Well, now, interesting. I started watching Kubo. I got about a half hour in, and it was really late, so I ended up going to bed. So I haven't finished it yet. And, no, no, and it's nothing against the movie. I, I know. I I'm just. You're, I'm about to point out that that was a month ago. At this point, that you, you it's not. It's not like you just like last Wait. night we're starting to watch Kubo. This is a month ago. You told me you started Kubo and you didn't finish it. Okay, fine, David. You and I had a conversation a few months ago where you had just seen Kubo, and I remember you liked it. I, I remember you really liked it. But I, going back, going back somewhat to the silence thing. Didn't it kind of bug you that all the voices are basically, isn't it like Charlize Theron and they're all like white actors? I mean, yes, it did bug me. And that is one thing I have kind of, uh, it, it is this. So here's it. There's a thing about Kubo. It's not like, it's not the same as Ghost in the Shell where they took a Japanese story and they're remaking it and then just plugging it with white characters. This is a, a story that was written completely by the team at Laika and they're not Japanese, <laughs> you know. They're the the CEO of Leica, Travis Knight, uh, heir of uh, Nike, Nike yep. by the way. He so he he went to travel with his father uh, to Japan a lot when he was a kid. So he kind of has this a love relationship with the place because he's spent a lot of time there. And so he wanted to make this movie as an homage or a tribute to Japanese culture. Or, you know, something like that. So they kind of made this story, but then at the same time of <laughs> paying tribute, they didn't cast any Japanese In the actors. main parts. And it's, in the main parts, they they use George Takei in a minor and, role. Uh, what, and what, he's uh, just a villager. Harry, um, what's his name? Takana, Ta- Shang Tsung. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finish him. He's in a minor role too. But then the thing is the. They, they cast these big stars like Matthew McConaughey and Ray Fiennes and Charlize Theron uh, because they think that this this is going to have a draw on the film, like it's going to get more attention, but that's just not something that happens anymore, I don't think. I think it's a myth. I think it's uh, Hollywood is spending more money on voice talent that they don't need because the boy in this movie, Kubo, who's uh, he, he was in the... Uh, a... Where did he get him from? Go, uh, Kid Game on Thrones, Game of Thrones, yeah. Or... Yeah, but then other other than that, you would not recognize his voice. 
so that's a that's a role that could have been given to a next gen you know like russell from up you know they just found him out of nowhere mm-hmm. short round in the temple of doom kwan i forget his last name but they found him from from out of nowhere at a casting call so that could have been a great role for a little um japanese boy japanese american that, boy, yeah that does seem like like i can understand the logic even if it seems like flawed logic of getting charlie's there and matthew Ganahay for roles in kubo but yeah uh, again the having the the kid from you know one of the random kids from game of thrones be the voice of kubo that seems like you probably could have could have could have searched a little more uh somewhere that yeah, made more sense. just a little bit yeah. harder you know it's it's not like his name is recognizable at all and the, the thing is, that, but Charlize Theron, to me, was at least she kind of disappeared into her role as Monkey. Matthew McConaughey, on the other hand, is playing a samurai, and I just don't buy it at all. So that was the one role that, to me, stood out really uh, quite a bit. And same with Ray Fiennes. You can't really tell it's Ray Fiennes. You can, but it's not a big enough role. Yeah, he's not that, in it that uh, much. To, uh... Regardless, yeah, what you are saying, though, is that you really do like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Long story short, I love the movie. I love the artistry of it, and that's probably what wins me over more. So I kind of like, all right, you know, I know you guys were had good intentions. You just, you know, maybe just well, it seems like your your logic is similar to what Peter you brought up about the the Fonzie syndrome, where the good the intention was good. It just it's right. it's it, the heart's in the right place. It's just kind of old hat of how it's accomplishing it. Exactly. Hey. It's kind of funny. You watched half of it. What did you What you think? <laughs> I was I was I no no. I was definitely like it. I I, I love the color. And there, there's something about the way they use light in all their stop motion. Well, their stop motion stuff that is really um really very compelling. Uh, just the opening. I mean, the kid goes out and he's trying to like uh, he's putting his little show on and he's throwing the things up in the air. And I was just like, wow, this is really like beautifully That's made. That's really. Um, let's back up. What do you want to say? The opening. The opening is that amazing giant wave that she's on. That's like. <laughs> that I meant his. I meant him leaving. I know. I just want to put uh, emphasis on how amazing that opening is. For me, so for me, I've only seen um, two of them. I've seen Zootopia and Moana, and it's weird. I rewatched Zootopia on Netflix, and it's it's definitely good. Like, I mean, I was just like, oh, this is pretty good. It's a really good script. Like, it's a really good script. I, I still don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh, actually, I guess Moana. Bef- Pre-Moana, I don't know if I had really loved any of the visuals, the artistry and the visuals in the Disney animated computer gender. So uh, Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, Tangled. Like, there's something about the visuals where I'm always like... It's like I like it, but I did love the visuals in Moana. I thought it was well, gorgeous. It, I thought it's, that. It's really, saying really that amazing. what are the visuals you do like when it comes to animated movies? Like what 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 studios doing it better? I love Pixar. I think Pixar does a has. I mean Pixar is. I mean they they pioneered this this industry. Well, like, so, I, I mean I guess it doesn't help that Disney has had a more of a focus on humans and anthropomorphic animals, so they have a similar style. But Pixar, are they doing much when it's you know comes to humans and stuff like that that that's all that that's all right, that different he, from disney right because early on the incredibles which is i think their first time with people uh, you know not including andy in the background or whatever I that's mean, more like, of what i'm saying because right. the incredible is more stylish i would say I, I, the, 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Where but... something like Inside Out or whatnot feels like you know, like yeah, that's okay. Those are people. Right, right. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's let's let's. let's I okay. want to. I need a backup right. because uh, uh, Peter said something about not liking the visuals of. Tom oh yes, I I I I was trying to look over that for a bit before you got in there because it it upsets me also. <laughs> Say, I guess what I'm saying is for some reason I I felt this way about Frozen. Uh, I thought Frozen was really entertaining. I liked the songs. Um, I was glad it was a big hit. I liked the message. But I thought the visual, like the palette, the color palette, I was like, eh. I was like, I don't really love this color palette. And Moana well, was the first one where I was like, oh, my God. I was like, look at the water. Look at the, like, I was like, this looks amazing. Like, that one, like, really blew me away. Yeah. I will agree with you that Moana visually is better than Frozen. But I, I, I don't know, because you listed off a lot of great Disney animated films that Do have you, well, I mean, well, great looks to them. But, I mean, just sticking with this year, I mean, even though I haven't finished it, I mean, to me, Kubo clearly has much more of a, I don't know, the the, the, the color, color palette's more subtle or something. There's something about it compared to, like, Zootopia. I know this is kind of weird to compare, I, but, I mean, I like, don't, I, I, I personally like, think I, you're undercrediting Zootopia, given the various worlds it goes to and the, the noir aspect that it applies to its comedy, you know, it, it, it's it's a comedy that it is. Well, that's the script. That's the okay. Th those no, are the yeah, aspects I, I like about. The I understand. Script. Yes, you like the, you appreciate that about the script. But I do, having watched Utopia multiple times right. at this point, I've I've noticed a lot of things it does that I think are very clever as far as its visuals and how a quote right. how no pun intended how diverse it is in the visuals that it's playing off of. This is funny. But I, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, it's important okay. to note that the animated feature is not just about. The way oh yeah, obviously, it's yeah. It's not the. Of course, of course, absolutely. No, you're but he certainly, but Peter, you're attaching yourself to things you admire about these movies, which is of course credible, obviously. Right, and don't get me wrong. I really like. I, I think Zootopia is really good. I just it, it one of those movies that it feels like. I mean, sometimes it, this is not all the time, but I mean, sometimes when you have great visuals, great performance, great scripts. Sometimes it does feel it is the it is the summation of all these things that makes something great. And I guess I feel like with Zootopia, having seen it twice, saw it in the theater, then watched it on Netflix, I, I totally enjoy it. I love the message. But to me, the thing that keeps it in that B-plus range that I can't get it to the A is it's got to be the visuals. I'm just like, there's something about the visuals that it doesn't, go that extra mile that surprises me because disney doesn't do <laughs> these kind of movies that often as far as anthropomorphic animals especially not in 3d like this like i mean like what's the last one i can think of like the rescuers down under there's probably another one as uh, robin hood well, i mean that's that's wait, earlier uh, i mean yeah wait 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 what are you saying like movies where movies where it's like animals that are like you know upright talking animals not just like like brother bear or something like that but like real animals <laughs> like or human versions of animals well well, you know, I mean, I think what, you know, what maybe what Peter is saying is that there's no uh, there's no visual climax to this movie because it's mostly uh, told. It's dialogue driven character. and story it's, driven. Or... Yeah, it's not so much like a big action. Well, yeah, like Moana has giant like a water and a lava yeah. monster. I mean, it's something to look at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's totally different. It's not you can't compare the two, really. And Moana is such a simple story that I. You know, I liked it, but it's just so overly simple that uh, it's not, yeah, that's it, that's it's not that's a why I you know would put it behind most of these. But um, it's still very good. I that's, agree. But, but yeah. I, I, yeah, but to a that's point, Peter, I, I think I kind of agree uh, with as far as Utopia goes. There is something about it pacing wise for me, maybe that keeps it from being an A. 
but I, I don't think I could discount the, the visuals at all. I think it looks great. Um, I can see that. You know, I don't know. I want to, I will go back to just for a hint thing. As much as I do like the animals and um, what's her name? What's Judy the Hops. What's the main character? Judy Hops. Like, Detective Judy Hops. Detective <laughs> Judy Hops. Yeah. I, I got to say, I really, it really meant a lot to me. I thought it was great in Moana that Moana is not her, her, uh, physicalness as a uh how old is she supposed like, to be like, like 16 like 14 18, or something like that yeah or 14 she there is something about the way she's drawn and stuff that she doesn't seem like just a generic kind of female cg character she seems somewhat like a real person and somewhat culturally accurate like i really appreciate that like her feet and her there's something about it where it's like oh, i really like they really like paid attention to that like i <laughs> like i'm not really I know it sounds like a weird thing, but it, like it, but you know, we've seen so many movies with male and female characters, and there's a genericness sometimes that comes. And I really feel like the design of her character is, is pretty good. It's very specific. And I would, I would like, say, I would say, cool. Big Hero Six deserves more credit from that regard. Oh, that's. that's I mean, it's a, it's a very, well, di- like, it's a diverse cast in that. Oh, movie. I forgot. That is a di- okay. You know what? That does have a great visual. I forgot about that. Yes. Yes, I, you did. <laughs> I forgot. Academy I Award winner, Big Hero Six, by the way. <laughs> a big surprise to me, but still, that happened. <laughs> I mean, look, script and humor and characters can also be a huge deal for me. I mean, Wreck It Ralph. I've seen that like half a dozen times, like just because I think it's so entertaining. But ultimately, it's still just like a B plus. I was like, ah, but it, I really like uh-huh. it. Like you know, um, but I mean, I'm. But going back to the Academy Awards, I'm pretty sure this is Zootopia's to lose. Like. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Zootopia. Like I can't imagine G- that. Given that's... its given Unless its bil- Kubo... its billion dollar worldwide total appearance in early hosts, although yeah, K- uh, Kubo, I guess the only thing I'd say Kubo has is that Like has been nominated multiple times at this point, and they're very they're respected for the way they do their thing. And Kubo got rave reviews, like not just like hey, it's really good, uh, although most of them have gotten rave reviews, but but this one got like really great reviews and everything, and it's. I'd like to hope that their campaign yeah. is a lot stronger this time around to support them. The, the only the only thing about the Academy is that a lot of voters, they don't actually watch all the movies when they vote. Mm-hmm. And so that's my main concern is that I think most people will have seen Zootopia, so they will vote That helps. For that. I also and... think that if they're watching just a bit of Kubo, though, at least the, there's some really great visuals up front as far, not to just, you know, prepare it strolling down the visuals, but... You get to you get to see some pretty cool stuff at the opening of Kubo that kind of like you know draw right. you in at least as far as the yeah. recognition you're getting for it. That's I mean I have no idea how they're judging these things like... so it's hard to say exactly. But although you know people they'll say people, like oh my people, kids love yeah. uh, Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps so they'll fair. But also people that are voting in this category are in this guild or have, you know have respect for the animated features. So I'd like to think they'd let alone especially animated features where it's not like it's going to be a heavy drama. They can sit down and watch one of these movies. Right. It'll be interesting. The Annie Awards are on February fourth, uh-huh. I want to say. So that's all animation. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that. Uh, I like. To... Let me oh, shout yeah. out the Red Turtle, by the way. We're talking just about these, you know, these movies. But the Red, because I, I haven't seen Zucchini yet. I've heard great things about it. But the Red Turtle is also very good. Another big one from Studio Ghibli, as far as it's how good that movie is. Like it's it's it looks great. It the score is pretty excellent. The story is it's simple, but it's very. It has a, it has a neat sense of pacing to itself is what it's trying to do. That's all I want to say about Red Turtle. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I just I just wanted to say that um I saw the ill 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 fated title uh, Your Name, mm-hmm. um which has now become the biggest anime 
uh, film in Japan. It, it surpassed Spirit Away, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it did. Um, uh, I actually just got Spirit Away on Blu-ray. Uh, I'm, I'm just, it's one of my favorite movies ever, so I'm looking forward to rewatching that. Um, but I got to say, your name is really good. Like, I thought it was really terrific. I look so, forward to seeing it. Shame didn't get yeah. nominated. Uh, I just don't think it has as much... I don't think it has as much awareness uh, here, but it's really good. You guys, I do want to see Red Turtle, um, but you guys should check it out. I thought your name yeah, was really I, good. Yeah, I plan to when I when I can. We should also note the biggest movie of last year, Finding Dory, was not nominated for Best Animated Feature. <laughs> Actually, the biggest animated movie of all time. Of all time. Yes, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all time, and it didn't get Which nominated. Which I do. I do I, like. I, I like Finding Dory. Yeah, I like Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I love the the Hank. Hank, the uh, Septopus. Yeah. Awesome. Good new character. And before we close out, it's anime. Good. Oh wait, go ahead. What do you say, David? No, I was about to say that it, it's it's good, but it doesn't you know give you something new. No, really. yeah, I agree. I I know why, I can understand why it's not nominated for Best Animated Feature compared to these other movies. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, DreamWorks is shut out, and obviously, and Illumination, of course. So it, it's getting a lot more competitive. I, I, I would say, especially with the. From I was honestly worried that Secret Life of Pets would be in here somehow, and you know others wouldn't. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep wondering if like it's so funny because we think about uh, when I was a kid and I would watch network or I guess Saturday morning cartoons and they would have Tom and Jerry or other things. And then watching a Disney movie would be like special. And it's weird because there's a part of me that feels like, am I just being or the three of us? Are we just being like old and cynical that we don't like the illumination stuff? No, I don't because, like them because they're not I mean, that good. Like they're not they're not they don't I mean, they don't make me I mean, they don't entertain me that much. No, they they're don't. fine. They're just they're very shallow, in a, in a way. In that, well, I guess that's what I was gonna say though. I mean, like, not everything has to be a big, great Disney movie or whatever. I mean, because I do like Tom and Jerry, and I do like Woody Woodpecker, and I do like I I do like those short, small. Who who are all these old characters? <laughs> that I mean, I guess I feel like, I guess I feel like, well, if I was a kid now, would I be liking Despicable Me? And I like these goofy minions because I, I don't like it. I'm just like, I don't like this. Yeah, but I mean, you it's know, it's like, not snobbish to have, you know, you grow up, you have a fonder appreciation for different kinds of things. And, you know, when you're younger, you like the idea of, you know, colors and broad comedy. But, you know, seeing something like Zootopia, for me, it's a movie that, you know, has broad comedy and has great visuals. It also has a deep message about race relations which you know that intrigues me as a viewer like i don't i'm not feel i don't feel bad that secret life of pets because it you know is just a lot of like straight jokes and references to pop culture things that like because that made i don't feel bad that i'm merely amused by that compared to something that seems more complex and challenging now i will say this uh, in case my mom ends up listening to this podcast, i send it to my her. mom was i'll email it but yes my mom was a huge fan of secret life of pets and she said that she, I don't know if she's seen Utopia, but she thought that, speaking of what you were saying about race relations and um, mess, you know, social message in Utopia, she thought that Secret Life of Pets did have a message, this notion of, like, you don't just throw throw animals away. Yeah, it, yeah I'm not but saying like, it's messageless, but, I mean, it's certainly less pronounced. Like, yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I guess so. My, my problem with Secret Life of Pets was it's just like a, it felt like a cheap version of Toy well, yeah, Story. That's, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's more that. Yeah. Um, but it's anyway. also not that visually appealing. But you know, that's another thing. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I will, I will say that uh, I do prefer Illumination's look than over DreamWorks. Crazy. What enough. did DreamWorks have this that year? I what, am I, what am I not missing? Uh, trolls. I didn't see trolls. Yeah. 
I didn't see it. I, I haven't seen a DreamWorks movie in in years, and there the the Boss Baby looks just absolutely dreadful to me. It's probably gonna be good, but that's the thing about DreamWorks is that all of their movies to me look bad, and then I I always get surprised when I actually see it. So there's something about DreamWorks's look, their character design, something, but none of it's ever appealing to me. Who does Rio? That's Fox. That- that's Blue Sky. Yeah, Ice Age, and And now they're yeah. I I like the first Ice Age, and then it just oh yeah. The first one had a good story, and then they're like, we don't need that good story stuff anymore. Let's just have jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the inherent drama about these animals that have no families and find themselves being their own family? We don't need to do that anymore. They're all just cool. (laughs) Like, was gonna do you know, acorn jokes and stuff. Now they're on the sixth one or the fifth one. It was terrible. Say I'm I'm watching Zootopia right now as we as of course we speak. you are. <laughs> that, I, I will say that moment when uh, young Bunny Hop gets scarred gets that scratch uh-huh. from the, uh, the I mean it's a that's actually a pretty good detail like with, with her gray fur and that little hint of pink like the scar like that actually does look pretty nice. Well, the, like, even the juxtaposition between the big animals running through the small animals like area like there's there's great action design well, that, in that movie. And it's, I do as far as, yes, there's I a lot of cleverness that, that I really appreciate about the the logic concerning the different sizes of these different animals and how they would function in a world, as opposed to just making them all you know rounded about the same size. They consider the fact that like you no know, an, an elephant and a giraffe would act differently than a bunny or a mouse would in this world, and they compensate for it. We've been talking a lot about animated feature guys. <laughs> um, let's let's uh, let's move on. What other categories do we want to talk about? Uh, well. I haven't, uh, you know, foreign and documentary. I mean, documentary, again, I really want to finish Made in America. I love 13th. I thought that was terrific. Um, I, I heard I Am Not Your Negro. It is. Great. I, I saw guys... I Am Not Your Negro. It's yeah. really good. Um, I saw Life Animated, um, which is also, it's it's good. It's not as necessarily impactful as, you know, these ones that have deeper themes going on. And I haven't seen, I have a screener of Fire at Sea, but I haven't watched it yet. But I'm sure it looks great, given what I've what I know about it. Yeah, no, it's a, this is a cool year for document, and there's a lot of ones that could have got in here that didn't get in here too. Like uh, Wiener was a was a big one, but yeah, it's a it's a strong category for sure. I'll be curious what wins actually because I am not your Negro, Thirteenth, and OJ Made in America all have a lot of similar ideas going on. They're all centered around different things, but you know they they're tackling some issues in ways where I, I'd be curious which way the voters you know swing ultimately. I agree. Um. um... <sighs> I don't know what else. And uh, because we got to we got to move on eventually should anyway. Talk, but, um, should we talk about? Music? Yeah, we can talk about the music. Uh, let's okay. We have so let's let's do both of them. We got best original score. Uh, we have Jackie, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, and Passengers. I, I Passengers is the one that is kind of the shocking one that kind of like that had nothing else and just snuck in there. It's it's almost as if they just want to break Thomas Newman's heart because he's this is this is his fourteenth. <laughs> this is his 14th nomination with no win, and you know it's going to La La Land, so it's like, why are they just torturing yeah. him this way? <laughs> like this one. Yeah. He's going to get all dressed up, and he's going to go to the ceremony, and he's not going to win again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is the third time that John Williams has scored something in a year and didn't get nominated. Only the third time. Every time he's scored something, it usually... Yeah, he's the Meryl Streep of the Oscars, of, of, of best score, of best original score. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I like I like the BFG, and I'm sure the score was probably good, but I can't tell you I remember much about it offhand. But you know, I say that about a lot of movies. So. Yeah, the score is all I remember from the BFG. Really? really? It wasn't that. Yeah, it was, wasn't that. Mem- the, the movie wasn't that memorable for me. Uh, Lion did have a good score. I I recalled liking it in Lion. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, I, Jackie, I think is a very good score for a movie that where it's it's very purposely haunting and has some key music cues. I, I like that it was recognized for for you know for best score because it, it has a as a score that very much suits the kind of movie that it is. It is a pretty great uh. score. You're right. It's a pretty specific. Yeah, because it's. I mean, you know, they're all. These are all good scores. I would say. I did like the passenger score. I wouldn't say it's. You know, like man, I hope that gets nominated for something. But I did like the work that was done in the in the movie (laughs) for it. Um, Yeah. It also had it. It it also had good production design, by the way. And I like. And so I was happy that Passengers got a production design nominee. I didn't see that coming, but there you go. Uh, Yeah. Let's go to best song. Uh, Best song we have: Audition, The Fools Who Dream from La La Land, City of Stars from La La Land, Can't Stop the Feeling. From Justin Timberlake and Trolls, uh, the Empty Chair, that classic song we all know and love from that documentary every single one of us saw called Jim, the James Foley story, and of course how, and of course the the the, the one song I, n- I never heard before ever, How Far I'll Go from Moana from Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, so, which if he wins makes him like gets makes him an egot. Right? He, he's, he's he'll be very. Win. Wait, what's wait, wait, which is the Moana song? Which how far I'll go? Who was singing it? The Moana. Moana sings it. It's oh, it, they should have picked the "You're Welcome," no, uh, the rock. They weren't going to pick that one. They're oh, going to pick no. the power ballad. How far no. I'll go? I like "You're Welcome." It's I do. Hilarious. I like the goofier like, ones more than the serious ones. I like that and "Shiny" a lot. But I, you know, I get it. I see what they're. I see why. I, I actually, I actually like the one where they all go sailing. Yeah, I like that one too. And they go away, away. Yeah. Yep. That one's one of my favorite song of it. That is that really gave cool. me chills when I saw the trailer. It's a good song. I like it. But uh, do you think? Do you think La La Land will cancel itself it, out? It's possible. Moana will it's win. It's possible. I would say if it did, then yeah, Moana would be the default winner in that situation. But I kind of think it will still go to La La Land for City of Stars, probably. I mean the poorly sung. I mean City the empty stars. chair is great, guys. I mean that song. <laughs> every time I'm on the radio, I'm looking around I'm like, oh, there's there's the empty chair again, man. Every t- we hear that one all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm surprised it's not written by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I, did, I mean, we talked about this a lot off air, but Sing Street could have gotten a song nomination very easily in this category. Uh, it has some terrific songs in that movie, regardless of thoughts on said movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to me. Um, uh, yes, the songs are probably the best part of the movie. So, but I was just happy because I did not like the movie that I did not want it to be recognized for anything. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yes begrudgingly yes the songs are the best part i mean he drive it like you stole it's a hit man i mean that that is a song that's that's i get i haven't stopped thinking about that song (laughs) yeah city of stars audition i mean yeah it it could it could split the vote but i i kind of doubt it i think it will i hope it does (laughs) but you can't you can't wait to hear ryan gosling sing at the oscars though (laughs) just walking through walking through the crowd singing that song I, i like ryan gosling i just don't think he has a good singing voice it's like he could hold a tune, but it's not something I want to listen to. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. I listen to it all the time, but every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, man, I wish somebody good was singing this. <laughs> all right. No, Sorry. Sorry. We, can, we can move yeah. on. We can... <laughs> uh, I haven't gone over foreign languages because I've only seen The Salesman um, from Oscar Farhadi, who's done some great movies. I like The Salesman. Yeah, I like The Salesman, too. I haven't seen the others yet, though. I, and I want to see. I've been wanting to see Tony Erdman a lot because I heard nothing but great things about yeah. that one. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about you know some key nominations here, the technical ones. We'll do this again when we get to our Oscar show uh, when, around the actual time of the Oscars, and I want to I want to give time so we can move on to um to to uh, the Last Jedi, of course. Um, so yes, let's okay. So that was Oscar talk. I hope everyone's satisfied with the lengthy amount of time we spent at the Oscars. Um, 
how about this title, guys? We as we, which was the thing that pulled us all together to begin with. We have a title for Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, which could be ominous. It could be hopeful. It could be it. It could be a lot of things. But I guess it, it's it's weird to devote a segment of a podcast to the title of a movie. But here we are. General thoughts, I guess. I, I mean, I, we kind of know it from our dramatic script reading from earlier. But Peter, you like it, correct? I do like it, and it was it was it was just the amount of like I needed to get me back into Star Wars because I'm I'm a lifelong Star Wars person, and I Rogue One is the first time I have not well okay the first time since being old enough to see movies in theaters that Star that's the first time I have only seen a Star Wars movie once I saw I mean I I saw Phantom Menace eight times so I mean like I I don't know it's kind of mixed on why, Rogue so One. why have you not I, gone back like. I'd imagine you're also busy. I think that has to, you know, play a I guess part it's of it busy, too. Busy, but I don't know. I mean, I found the time for Force Awakens. I saw that like four times. So I mean, like, I don't know. But but yes, yes, I'm very. I like the title. I like the Last Jedi. I like the red the red lettering uh, instead of the yellow. I I mean, I'm a. It's weird that people are asking questions. I mean, I'm assuming Luke is the Last Jedi. Somebody made a note that in the scroll or in the scrawl or whatever the scroll for Force Awakens, that's how they describe Luke. The last. I was- or whatever. That was me. Yeah. Oh, it was you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, the key is that Jedi is it's plural also, like it's singular and plural, so it could it can imply, imply a lot of things, which is obviously by design. That's why you have a title called the Last Jedi because it could be a lot, it can mean multiple things. Oh, that's true. Well, let's let's read. Okay, this is the first paragraph of the opening crawl of Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. It says Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire. It will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. So I think with this, the title, it, it could mean that Luke, at the beginning of Episode Eight, is still the last Jedi. And whether he trains Rey or not, you know, it doesn't have to end any in any different way. I mean, it, it could just be about the last Jedi. This is a uh, both of them could be the last Jedi, but Luke definitely is the last Jedi at the beginning of the movie. So I really don't think there's anything ominous about it, per se. You know, like a lot of people could be putting in, oh, I better, I hope Luke doesn't die in this one. But I really don't rather not think about it. I just kind of, uh, it's about Luke, for sure. But we know Luke's and, in it, for sure. I mean, because you know, yeah. the movie ends yeah. on a very little cliffhanger. <laughs> but um... <laughs> <laughs> He better be. He's, he starts in the beginning. And he just, yeah, he just falls. He's like, hey, is that my light? And he trips and falls over the cliff and dies. <laughs> He like yeah, slips. He slips on his Jedi robe, and he's like, "Ah, <laughs> the, the end." Yeah, it's another cold open. Then, yeah, it's another back. cold open, like Rogue One, and yeah. it just cuts to the title. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want that to be the thing. <laughs> he has no lines, and Mark Hamill. <laughs> anyway, well, I mean, David, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I'm not gonna say the scroll dictates that he's definitely the last, but I mean. And it's weird to say, like, well, the red coloring indicates that it's darker, but it does have red lit. I mean, I think the the implication is that uh, that's just marketing. It is marketing, no, but I mean, just the, gonna... the words "the last Jedi" they're chosen for a very specific reason. It's because it can mean a lot of things, yeah. and I'd like and right. you know go. But it's not episode nine; it's episode eight. The yeah, and the middle has been the yeah. darkest in the past, or at least for Empire was the darkest. I mean, it's and we just saw basically a remake of the first one. I mean, we're, I don't think we're going to get a remake of Empire Strikes Back, but I, you could. <laughs> that you, would be hilarious. You, I don't. I don't <laughs> think many people would find that hilarious. But, um, 
think I think the I think the thing to look at as a person who just watched Force Awakens after seeing Rogue One is that um I think what to back to back up again what to, to back up you saw the Force Awakens twice on the same day at your press screenings you saw Rogue One once and then watched the Force Awakens again afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really liked the Force Awakens, but um. I think uh, you gotta see it again. I just Rogue saw. One. Wait, I told you I've seen it. No, times. Rogue One. I know, but you know you gotta see dumb, it. Dumb, dumb. Come again. on. <laughs> but I feel like one of the things that I think it's that Force Awakens doesn't get enough credit for. I think in general the credit for Force Awakens is the the chemistry, of the actors is great, the dialogue is funny, it moves well. Criticism is usually, but structurally it's a lot like Star Wars. You know, the Death Star and everything. But what I think. And then this is a much this could be a much longer conversation, but I think what Force Awakens does really well is that while it does have to be in that structure of familiarity, it also subverts a lot of things that we know about, especially the original trilogy. So what I'm curious about that's a J.J. Abrams specialty right there. That's a J.J. Abrams thing. If I, if I had to Nate, you know, because he's very good at bringing things that other directors have done, I think that's a thing that he brings to something of the subversion of expectation. <laughs> So I'm curious about, we were just talking about the title, Last Jedi, and you were saying that in a weird way, you know, or not a weird, but Jedi can be plural. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if what what what's actually going on in this trilogy is, I mean, of course, I'm assuming Rey's going to become a Jedi, but it might also be about some kind of weird redemption with Kylo Ren. And maybe it is actually about Ren make of ultimately coming back to he is a he is a skywalker so that would follow suit pretty well yeah so maybe that's another thing that i because you would mean somebody who spoiler alert but somebody who kills one of the most beloved characters of all time i would assume we think well there's no coming back from that you know the audience will never accept him but i don't know maybe that's something that last jedi that title is implying you know maybe it's two jedis or three with luke i mean that's uh, why are you guys saying? Why are you guys using Jedi's with an S? <laughs> Jedi. What's this? Yeah, what's this? You guys you. business? I didn't say no Jedi's. I said I've been saying Jedi, and arguing how it's a singular and plural word the whole time. Uh, well, the okay, other thing, sorry, Peter. Peter, why don't let me in? The other, thing, <laughs> the other thing I had heard was that before Carrie Fisher died, I had heard that supposedly her role was getting bigger and bigger. Like the her role in this mm-hmm. one is bigger than it was in. Force Awakens, and it was supposed to be even bigger for Nine, but now they can't. But that makes me wonder, do you guys think that's another one? Do you think they were heading towards Carrie Fisher in the Force? Again, this is why and, I'm saying I don't uh, think the title's just as cut and dry as it's Luke, it's yeah, Luke, and it's right, nothing but yeah. Luke. I think it could be read a number of ways, which is why they cho- they very specifically chose the words The Last Jedi, because you could take that any other way. I mean, you, Attack of the Clones is very specific. Like, you know what that means. Like, even, even, and, and that, and that didn't even happen, happen technically, yes. in that movie. <laughs> but even, like, The Phantom Menace means a couple of different things. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, again, is very specific. A New Hope is pretty specific. But The Last Jedi is more ambiguous as far as what it's, what it's going for. Oh, so interestingly, it's almost kind of, well, uh... You know what, though? I would say it fits The Force Awakens. That's kind of ambiguous. I mean, in the one way, it's literal. It's like The Force. Liter- but, I mean, in the other way, it, it's it's so, it's speaking to something so much oh, bigger. Yeah. I mean, right? I, I also think The Force Awakens could be read a number of ways. The Force Awakens in who? In Rey only? Or in Luke again? Or in, in R2? <laughs> or in Kylo Ren does The Force Awaken? <laughs> I mean, he's using The Force in that movie. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen. What's your, what is your, Um, I know we went over this with the thing, but I'm sorry, what is everyone's favorite title? 
regardless of your feelings. I think movie, Return of the Jedi is a kick-ass title. I think I think it's like what's the? It's like a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, pretty cool. Return of the Jedi, yeah, all right, let's do let's do this. It feels like I'm getting down to business when I see that title. Well, I'll give you this: Return of the Jedi is the first time that the title is only really works if you are familiar with the material. Saying the Empire Strikes Back, we we understand what an empire. Well, I think is, I think you, know, you so can get it. You can get an implication right. of what the Return of the Jedi means. I mean, it's no, no, no. But I, but no, because Jedi is a made-up word. So you would have to know about Star Wars to go. Oh, I know what a Jedi is. That that is that's a hard thing to separate, I guess, myself from. But I feel like if I was randomly walking up and I saw a title that said the Return of the Jedi, I get the implication that it's some kind of like, you know, some kind of warrior or some kind of something that that's you know, you know coming back i know what you're, i get what you're saying um, i guess as far as the other titles are and you know there wasn't a, it wasn't a new hope until years later it was just star wars so it's like david what's your favorite title uh, it was empire strikes back and return of the jedi were my top two but i liked empire strikes back because it just i don't know it's just a it's a very good sequel name you know and i think return of the jedi rounds it out perfectly but uh, i do like it i like I attack know. of the clones for its pulpiness it's the like given that this whole no. I like it, it, yes. Regardless of what transpires in the actual film, when I saw the announcement of Attack of the Clones for the first time, I was like, that's like exactly what Star Wars is, a big pulpy series, and it's like, Attack of the Clones! Uh, Like, yeah, all right, that makes sense to me as far as, like, what he's going for. I just, you guys don't like The Phantom Menace as a title? I I don't dislike it, I just, you ask the favorite. There's six of these things, I can only say so much. (laughs) Seven of these things, eight of these things. Nine with Rogue One, (laughs) but... I, really, I feel I like, really I, like I don't. No, I like the Phantom Menace because uh, I, I didn't like it at first, but now that I, you look back, the whole prequel trilogy is the Phantom Menace trilogy. The, you could name the Phantom Menace to Episode One, Two, or Three. I, yeah, really. it's all. I, I like that one. I like that one the most of those prequels. I like it more than A New Hope, mainly because A New Hope was added later. So I just kind of like don't care about the term A New Hope. <laughs> well, you could argue that it's really it's just, just Star. Wars, Wars, yeah, and that's pretty bland. I, I mean, Star Wars. All right. <laughs> but, um... That's it. That's like that's like yeah. calling it sci-fi, right? But yeah, yeah. I mean, I wait, do you think also as long as we're following this because I have I don't know if I've seen a title. We've heard all the cast, current casting news for the Lando Calrissian. Is it not Lando? Sorry, I call or, it the Lando um, movie. It's all right. <laughs> is it yeah, is it called Han Solo: A Star Wars it, Story? Is that the title? Do it we have doesn't a title have a title. Or no, no. That's the working title. It's just Han Solo movie. I, I just hope it's Kessel Run or something like that. Or the lucky, the I lucky hope... smuggler. <laughs> a Star Wars story. I don't know if I like a Star Wars story. Get, I don't know get if I like used that. to it. So part of like, eh, they should ditch that. Well, if you really think about when when you watch Rogue One, it was never in the actual movie. It was just marketing. yeah. It was just called it, well, when the when the title pops up, it just says Rogue One. The, yeah, it, it doesn't say Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I didn't like the font of the Rogue One in that movie. It was just. And I know yeah. a thing or two about thoughts if you if we want to talk about really this. Really weird. It felt like no, I was watching I Spaceballs. Yeah, but I gotta say one of the things I I really liked about Rogue One. I mean, I know I'm mixed on the movie, but beyond the opening with um, the little kid and Mads, which is a really terrific opening, 
I did really like the boldness of like the score and not having a scrawl. I really liked that. I was like, Oh, like that. I thought that oh, was yeah, what cool. I've argued this, not argued. I talked about this on the podcast where I like the opening because it is the scroll. It's a live action version of the scroll, which I thought is very clever in how it, and even subverts it when you have the kind of a long time ago, instead of star Wars popping up, it's a giant like music cue and planet shot. Like, right. It's like, no, no, we're doing this right away. I, I thought there, there was some, Oh, I never thought of that. There was some expectation play there that I admired. And again, you know, you could you could have seen a scroll that just said, you know, like 15 years ago, yeah, the evil Orson Krennic went to this planet and did this thing. Or it's like, no, we're seeing a live action shot of the, instead of we're seeing writing, we're just seeing it actually play out in front of us. I, I I enjoyed how it tried to do it to make it different to separate itself in its own way while still being Star Wars sci-fi. <laughs> I still think it could have had a lot of information that set people up because it really was not a standalone movie. It wasn't. It wasn't in my eyes, as far as like it, it's it's distanced itself enough as far as the style to a point until basically the end where it just becomes a Star Wars movie. <laughs> but and right, but I know yeah, what you're saying. I mean, yeah, yes, it, there basically... is a, it's it is a bit clunky in the opening as far as jetting around to different planets and introducing you to a bunch of like there's there's effective ways to do that I've seen in other ensemble movies like like the Dirty Dozen or. Or even my biggest comparison was um, the movie Sorcerer from William Friedkin, where you have like four lengthy prologues for different characters to really set you up for it. This movie, you know, it jumps right as you know. Yes, you're you're getting a lot of information in a short amount of time in a movie that I would argue isn't entirely character focused anyway, so it shouldn't matter all that much. But yeah, you certainly want to have more of it resonate with you than it kind of does, given the clunkiness of that structuring. Right, because you are in between episode three and episode four. And if you haven't seen episode three, you kind of don't know what uh, what kind of situation the rebel- rebels are in and well, I, all that I, kind of stuff. I think they should have just made it a, an episodic kind of. I think the, the 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 takeaway from there is that we're in an age where you have like the Marvel movies and other movies that are kind of establishing cinematic universes where it's just you just kind of have to accept it <laughs> at this point or like or even like the Harry Potters where it's like I don't you, those movies don't recap anything. You just have to kind of know where you are in Harry Potter world or else you just you know, lost. Sure. And I, th- sure I think the, sure. it's it, I, you, it. Films maybe be maybe it's a different argument, but maybe taking advantage of the idea that audiences just have generally should have this knowledge already before they go in. But at the same time, I do have that knowledge, and so I'm I'm not too concerned by it. Yeah, but then I was trying to bring people in to Rogue One who have not seen too many Star Wars movies, trying to get them. Oh, oh here's a standalone movie where you can watch, and then I brought them and. Yeah, they were yeah lost, it's very much so. tied. Yeah, and I'll be curious as to beyond besides like you know the younger versions of characters we know. I'll be curious what the next, what the other like plans for these spinoff movies are. Like where what other things are going to do and how distancing they will be from Star Wars. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that we can do a. I, I'm, this is weird. I don't want them to, even though they're clearly somewhat following what they did with Marvel. Um, it's not that I want them to do the exact same formula, but I, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of a cool idea to do somewhat of a standalone that's taking place in the same timeline as the new trilogy. Oh, like a, like a, like a like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern situation? Maybe. Yeah. Just, well, I mean, it is a huge universe. I mean, like they, you could do something on one planet only and then just tangentially be like, oh my God, did you, thank God the first order's star killer got blown up or whatever. <laughs> I mean, just so we know, oh, okay, this is where we are in the timeline but i mean like so kind of like uh kind of like the holiday special (laughs) (laughs) yes 
or yeah, like Lando in like a political race to become the the you know the the leader of Cloud City, and like meanwhile, like you hear that Death Star got blown up. I know that was crazy, right? Boy, that was that must have been some deal they made. It's getting worse all the time for them over there. Like just really bad dialogue like that. <laughs> well, actually, you know what one you know what one thing I think that they could do that this is really weird because I I I really love the Force Awakens, but in a weird way to follow David's logic of the, the attack of the clones, miss the, 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 the title. I love force awakens, but I do somewhat think that there's a validity to saying that when we had heard that Finn was a stormtrooper and he doesn't want to be a stormtrooper in my, my mind, I was like, Whoa, we're actually going to get to see what it's like to be a stormtrooper. And we don't, we, we, we do, we don't really, it's like, that's like the first five minutes. That could be interesting. Seeing a stormtrooper or more people that are part of the a Empire. A day in the life of the Empire, a Star Wars story. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's actually that's a, that's actually why I love Rogue One so much. I know that I have issues with it as a film, as like a story, like start to finish. But there was things in it as a Star Wars fan that I just love, and part a lot of that was the you know Empire and all. These oh, yeah, other that's why that's why I really like the Krennic character. I think there's a lot of interesting things going yeah. on with his character just by what Ben Mendelsohn does with that performance, like not having a regal accent like all the other Imperial officers do, or, or right. his, you know, his presumption that he should be getting more credit than he actually does because Grand Moff Tarkin's like, fuck I you. Like, like, there's a lot of things like that where I'm like, yeah. this is really yeah. neat stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, and he and he's on that ship. He has that same ship for 13, over 13 years flying across the mm-hmm. galaxy. He goes, he's got the, some pretty good mileage on that on that sucker. You know, I liked the Ben Mendelsohn character. I guess I just, yeah, I see what you guys are saying. I do like that. He doesn't have the accent. That's good. My issue was more, I didn't just, understand. Oh, oh, no, I just say, just see it again. <laughs> just see it again. I, 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 found, I really found the Grand Moff Tarkin stuff to be distracting. Like, and that kind of like, and I didn't think it really was that needed narr- we, narratively. We, we, like, we I, talked about this a lot. You... I mean, I would, I mean, for one thing that's not much of the movie so it's hard for me to be like well the whole movie's tank now because of that one thing but also i agree that it could have been handled slightly differently like more just over the shoulder shots or him facing or him in a hologram or him facing a window kind of thing instead of like full-on like look how great ilm is at the same time i'm happy to see ilm be like look how great we are at this thing just it is there's some weirdness involved when it comes to this kind because star wars it's always been about you know let's see let's show off the latest and greatest technology that's always been star wars and lucas and spielberg in general like that's their thing like it's like not only we're making really fun stories we're doing it with like what the latest and greatest in technology is and that's what that is essentially i mean that's true right but that's but that's why peter i want you to see it again because you were distracted and so was i when i first watched it and so when i went to see it the second time i was able Mm -hmm. to listen to the dialogue and at least kind of, you know, it just, and see what they're trying to do with the story rather than being distracted by this cool trick or that was kind of creepy. Yeah. And it, you know, so definitely see it again. That's I the best, it that's be the best fair. way. Cool trick that was kind of cre- creepy. <laughs> Grandma Tarkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anything more on The Last Jedi? Uh, well, Peter, P- P- Peter wanted our rankings for Star Wars. That's That was a thing too. <laughs> Well, didn't we give it? No, or... not the titles, the movies themselves, right, Peter? Oh, the movie themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, just curious. Okay, um, Empire Strikes Back, number one, Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, The Force Awakens, The F- actually, no, wait, The Phantom Menace, then The Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, 
last would be Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I'm a Empire, Star Wars, Jedi, Sith, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Menace, Clones. That's where I, that's where I'd be. Oh, I didn't I didn't put in uh, Rogue One because I thought we were just going off the episode. I mean, episodes. I mean, you could take it out and it's still you know the same. <laughs> I, would, I I like Rogue One more than those, but um, I would do Star Wars Empire, Star Wars Empire, maybe Sith. Force Awakens, Phantom Menace, Turn of the Jedi, Attack of the Clones, and then yeah, I guess Rogue One's last. But I will, I will have the note that I've only seen it once, so that could move. But I, it, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that I've always felt that Clones and Jedi are my two least favorite of the Star Wars movies, and I've always felt that Sith and Menace are kind of underrated uh for menace is clearly underrated but i don't think there's a movie that's more underrated than the phantom menace as far as what it's what it accomplishes versus the vitriol that it seemed to receive i mean in a lot of ways it's really weird in a lot of ways i actually think that it's weird phantom menace to me in a lot of ways it's almost i think you know i so it's hard because of the jar jar stuff but structurally as a film it's actually kind of maybe my favorite like yeah it's it's great i liked it it's uh, yeah it has problems but it's really good oh you like the phantom menace he did, he did just okay, write these things out yeah, you were on the, you were, <laughs> and you're on the you're on the you're on the commentary together talking about it <laughs> that's true yeah. Oh, yeah, the Phantom right. Menace yeah. is my favorite prequel. I, I need I need you Wait. to see Rogue One again just so you can realize how wrong you are about thinking that it's worse than Attack of the Clones because that boggles my mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Attack of Attack of the Clones, and I like the movie overall, but there are giant problems with that movie. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, well, no, that was the thing. I always went back on like, well, see, but I actually I gotta say, and no, not to, to disagree with you because I think there are problems with clones, but. I don't know, man. I think there's a. I feel like for some reason, a lot of people don't recognize a lot of issues that I think are problematic in Return of the Jedi. Like Han Solo has nothing to do. Like, yeah, but I he's mean, there, I and he's Harrison of... Ford, and he's awesome. Like, I don't. He 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 doesn't need See, to do much I... for me to happy happy with Han Solo. He gets that one moment where he just like op- like he opens the doors and gives that like shoulder shrug at the Imperial officer. It's like that's all I needed Harrison Ford to do, and I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, and hey, like if like if like I don't know if Jake Lloyd did that in the movie, he's like I don't care about this, whatever. But like if Harrison Ford does it, it's like it's it's perfect. I do like that, but I I I gotta say I I but like but Peter like like, I I get what you're saying, but I'm like I'm I'm literally calling out a a physical gesture that Harrison Ford does that means the world to me versus things that are in entire movies. Yeah, and then his little back and forth with C three PO at the Ewok Village. Was there's all, yeah, there's all kinds of things classic. you can call out. This is kind of funny. It's funny you guys aren't mentioning my favorite Han Solo moment in Return of the Jedi. When, when he says it's um, me, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's when it's when um it's and it's a very Harrison Ford moment, kind of like your smirk is when <laughs> he can't see and Luke's like uh you know there's nothing to see here. I was born here, you He's know. Like, you're gonna die out here, you know. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna die here. Convenient. Because it's not. I mean, Peter, as you know, it's the Skywalker show. Like that's this. That's this whole series. I mean, it's not about him. Like so. Like I. And he had his movie. His movie was Empire. Like that. That was the Harrison Ford movie. Right. But I would. I would argue that. No. No. I think that. I think Harrison Ford is better in Force Awakens than he is, or he's more invested 
than he is in well, Jedi. Well, yeah, because, that's yes, because, he, yes. because he got his wish, which was to have, well, for one thing, have an arc for his character and die, which he wouldn't wanted to do for a while. <laughs> right. he, he wanted that in Return yeah, of the like, Jedi. Yeah, because that right. would make him more meaningful in Return of the Jedi. But, but yeah, he's fully invested in Force Awakens. Yes, I'm not denying that he's his performance is better in Force Awakens because he has more to do in that movie because the movie's more about, not necessarily him specifically, but about, you know, the things that transpired in, with these characters and what it means and where they're going. Like, it, it's important for him yeah. to be, you know, taken out of the series. Whereas, if he even if he, died in, if he died in Jedi, that would make him more impactful, but it wouldn't necessarily serve the grand scheme of things. Just be like, oh, that's sad, Harrison Ford died in the midst of, like, this this father-son battle that's going on. Yeah, and it was it, back then. It was like fun. It was like a fun movie. And now they now they want to make Star Wars like more all more yeah, you know edgy. I guess it's it's a different time period. And you know when was the last time Han, like Harrison Ford made a movie that we all just like oh my gosh that was so well, great. Fi- you know Firewall you know was the his <laughs> lucky stars that uh, the Force Awakens is back. You know he, he's well now he's he's probably wishing that he could go on it for Episode Eight because it was so fun. Well, it's funny because I have to credit. Well, he's doing Blade Runner instead, so he doesn't Aaron. care anymore. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I'm excited about that. But I have to credit Aaron for um, – I was never a big Indiana Jones guy. I always loved Raiders, but I just didn't care about the other three. And I know people hate Crystal Skulls, but honestly, I didn't care about Temple of Doom or Last Crusade. But then I saw Temple of Doom at Aaron's – So good. Uh, and it's pretty great. I was just like, oh, this is really good. I was like, oh, this so now I've actually become kind of a late Indiana Jones fan, but I still, I think he's better in Force Awakens than he is in Crystal Skulls, I guess, I would say. Oh, uh, yeah, I would, yeah, yes, for, yes, for yeah. sure. Well, there's more yeah. of, yeah, I mean, there's an arc for his character in Force Awakens. So he, like every every line he has, there's an extra oomph invested in it because it's all going to lead to a big moment at the end where he dies. Where Crystal Skull, yeah. it's Indiana Jones. Like the, I'd say the that character up until Force Awakens, Indiana Jones, I think, is a more complex character than Harrison. For, there, sorry, than Han Solo is. But yeah, I mean, the... I think with I, I think Crystal Skull tried to do what Force Awakens did, but failed. It was trying to be like a reboot. With like you know, trying to remind you of what you loved about the old movies, but it just failed. I mean, I can see. I, I mean, well, I because I, I don't, like I don't certain... dislike the movie, but I, I, I mean, it's not like it's not remaking anything. It's just the those those adventures. They're not a saga. It's just more of like here's another adventure with this guy. Like it's not like a it's not an arc yeah. of a story. Even if there's characters that you know you you know reconnect with or what have you. But it, it just wasn't a good adventure. It's not as it's not as strong. Am... No. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. I. I, I mean. Crystal Skulls is the least, obviously, of the of the uh, Indiana Jones movies, but I don't know. I I kind of like the alien thing. There are things that people hated. I was like, oh, I kind of like. That. Oh, I can so, talk like, all day about why just... the fridge thing is amazing. Like, I think that's great. It's it's a it's, like it's such an Indiana thing. Jones move to do. Yeah, I like the fridge thing, and I like him. I like him even before the fridge being in this nuclear test oh, the, the first third of that movie i think is pretty amazing all over i think spielberg ford and everyone is just besides maybe kate blanchett's accent i think that like it's fun like it's a fun like watching out yeah, the whole area 51 thing the the fridge thing i think is you know he's moved out of one era and into the atomic age literally and then it and, and then yes. there's a big like fun chase in the like through like the streets and everything when you first meet shia labeouf's character <laughs> That later chase, I'm not a big fan of, but the first chase, I think there's like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think where the the motorcycle chase ends, that's when the movie like just kind of like loses. I lose. Yeah, because the the story just kind of stalls yeah. out at that point where it's like, okay, now we're gonna do our globe trotting, but for some reason the globe trotting isn't as interesting as it has been in the other three movies. 
Well, and also, also Crystal Skulls is, is so funny, but I know Aaron and I often discuss the merits of if there's ever going to be a good movie based on a video game. But it's funny because Crystal Skulls comes out after the Uncharted games. And I remember the, the last half of uh, the big chase scenes and the jungle and stuff very much to me was just like, oh, well, this is like Uncharted, but not as good, like um, which is weird since obviously Uncharted is inspired by Indiana Jones and stuff. Well, to be fair, but, Uncharted, uh, only the first Uncharted had come out at that point. Yeah. Uncharted, Uncharted 2 2009, Crystal Skulls 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, I guess it still reminded me of it with the, the drug, but yeah, I guess you're right, technically. Um, although I would like to think that they probably had heard of that game. I don't think Spielberg's yes, worried about what video games are coming out when he when he's made many of the best. He he made Raiders, which has one of the best car ch- truck chase of all time. <laughs> That's true. I don't think he's like. Oh, I wonder if there's any video games that are inspired by those movies that I made that are classics. Although he might be making the the best thing ever about a video game with Ready Player One. Although technically that's not a video game. It's just uh, about video uh, game culture. We're talking a lot about things here, guys. <laughs> we're going on a long time. Might have to split some of this or cut some of this out because there's a lot of a lot of podcast here. But basically, I think we're obviously we're all excited for the next Star Wars movie. Uh, David, I don't think you actually said what you thought of the title. Actually, come to think of it, given how long we've talked about stuff. Oh, I mean, it's fine. I, I, it does sound to me like an expanded universe novel if it didn't have episode eight attached to it, but uh, I think it's okay. It's not the worst title. It's maybe one of like it would be like bottom half of favorite Star Wars titles, but uh, I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't All right. hate it. Okay. This will be a fun episode for listeners. <laughs> like, we're getting a lot of random information thrown at them uh, about Oscars and Star Wars and thoughts. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's do. I have. A, there's a good question here. Um, so we have a quick out now feedback. Uh, feedback. Feedback. This one's from Justin. He asked this one uh, last week, and I wanted to save it. He asks, uh, "Do you have or?" Ha- Sorry. Do you or have you ever not watched a movie because of a director or actor's personal beliefs? I can't think of one right now, but I mean, there's actors that I'm not a fan of, and uh, I just kind of not interested in seeing it. And I, but I can't think of it right now. I mean, obviously for me, Mel Gibson comes to mind, um, and of course I've, I've since seen Hacksaw Ridge. Granted, I saw it for free because it was a screener, and more because like I know it's going to get all these awards nominations, which it did. So I need to, you know, I I feel like I like to be up to date on things. But it is hard for me, honestly. I do struggle with something like that, and it is, it's a weird kind of hypocrisy because you know there's other directors that also you know have faced their own set of challenges and actors for that matter. Um, such as the key ones that always seem to be Roman Polanski and Woody, Woody Allen, um, where I do see their movies and I don't feel bad about it necessarily in the same way that I, or, you know, I don't, I don't struggle with it in the same way as I do with certain others. It's a very select, it seems to be like a selective process, which is a weird thing to kind of balance in your own mind, but you know, that there you have it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's a weird thing to argue, but, uh, Peter, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I'm, <clears throat> I think I'm actually the opposite, um, and the not to say I'm courting necessarily courting controversy. I've never had if I already like a filmmaker or a actor or actress or or a musician or whatever. If I already like them, I will try to recognize if they've done something terrible and and be like, wow, that's pretty messed up. But I I don't really I don't really throw their work away. Um, I mean, the obvious one. Yes, obviously, you could see Woody Allen, 
Polanski, but even Bill Cosby. I mean, like he's still a great comic from the seventies. Like his standup was still That's very funny too. Like, where I haven't even tried to comprehend that yet, like, for the most part, as far as going back to their work. Right, so that, that stuff, that stuff is tricky. But what I, what I would like to add, as long as we're talking about something like this, is actually sometimes I feel like I'm the opposite in the sense that. Um, okay, so there's this movie called I'm Not Ashamed, and it's made by Pure Flix, and it's about this girl in real life who died at Columbine, and I guess after she died, she was the first victim of Columbine, and they found her journal, in real life, they found her journals, and I guess she was a big Christian. So the movie Pure Flix does not look very good, but I always have a strange fascination with things of morality or whatever that I might not agree with and it might actually be a poorly made movie but for some reason I'm fascinated like I like I've seen the Kirk Cameron left behind and stuff I don't know why I find that interesting to me you know Battlefield Earth I couldn't wait to see that because I was like oh Scientology like uh, so I don't I don't know it's not that I'm it's not that I'm watching the movie going this is going to change my mind about Scientology but I'm curious. I'm interested in this is a very different point of view. This is a, a world that I don't necessarily subscribe to. So I guess that would be my answer. Hey, have you guys heard about the Casey Affleck's rape? Allegations? Sexual assault. I'll get, yes, I, Sex, yeah. I have. And that's a, that's a weird one where because I, I associate that so closely with um, with Nate Parker and the birth of a Nate, the, the birth of a nation. And there's there's some very yeah. interesting articles I've read that have kind of compared the two and why one has kind of not been addressed and the other has, which boils more, which doesn't boil necessarily completely down to you know one's white and one's black. There's other things that also go along with how the establishment treats these different people. But yeah, it's a it's that's a that's a weird one as well. That's a weird kind of how do you handle something like that if you feel that way? Yeah, I mean he he has a nomination and Birth of a Nation was completely shut mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I th- actually, I read the article that Aaron's talking about. I read a article and, um, you know, very much talking about privilege, uh, not just being white, but privilege. In general. Like his celebrity status yeah, for versus, you know, someone that's more up and coming still and whatnot. Right. And um, I'm still curious. I never I did not see Birth of uh, Birth of a Nation and I'm I'm still curious about it. Um, but but yeah, I I, I do. I, I mean, it's, I'm, that's a great question, though, because I do think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is. How much can I still appreciate someone's work if 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 it looks like they've done something pretty terrible? You know, like um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, but I, but I'm, but for me, it's on my mind. But I don't think I would ever censor that. I don't think I would ever go. Oh, I would never see that. Like I don't think I would do that. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's when it's people that have done things that they're, they're directly involve things that I'm, you know, I support or I'm a part of or I believe in or what have you. And Mel Gibson seemingly didn't like a hat trick of things as far as things I, I don't appreciate and, and what he believes and what he said. Um so it, it that make it make well it's easier for me to to dismiss him compared to I don't know, someone like Nate Parker where it's like, well that's a horrible situation that he got himself into. At the same time, he's made a movie that addresses something that's very different that I feel like I should want to support in some way. So it's like, it's a weird kind of lines of separation. They are hard to kind of work out in my own mind as far as what I, what, what works for me and what doesn't. David thoughts. No, I I just brought it up. Uh, (laughs) I, I haven't really looked into either allegation enough to form a thought, but yeah, it is. It does seem like there's a double standard of sorts. 
depending on who it is, because, you know, Roman Polanski was invited back to an Oscars even, you know, and Woody Allen is still being honored. It's all white, you know, (laughs) so I really don't know. Well, Justin, that's a good, that was a good question. So thank you very much for that one. All right. Uh, Let's do some out now presents what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, Uh, Queen of Katwe. That's a really good movie that I wish made more money and could have easily got like an art direction nomination too. It's a really good looking movie. Let's see. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. One of the one of the most disappointing movies of last year for me. <laughs> I really yeah. I was looking forward to it and I was not happy. Tyler Perry's Boo, a Medea Halloween. This is a movie I believe Peter chose probably not to see Best Picture potential nominees because he really was curious about this movie. You know, I actually, I gotta say, I've never seen a Medea movie, and that was the closest. I was like, ooh, I might have to check that out, like, uh, <laughs> okay. but I didn't. Uh, Masterminds. This was the one of two Zach Galifianakis bombs in theaters from last year. Uh, let's see, Victoria season one. Has anyone watched this show? I take that silence as a no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Poltergeist 2 and 3, Scream Factory Collector's Editions, come out this week. I Man, Poltergeist, all three of those movies, someone died, right? The well, first one is the well, teenage daughter. Yes, the, teen, the teenage daughter the did die, one, yes. Uh, the second the old okay. man, and the third one is, uh, is the main girl. Yeah, yeah. She died. yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. <clears throat> that said, I have not seen two or three. I, I, I've i never actually gotten to see them, and I'm very curious. I might actually get these Scream Factory editions just because they do a great job. And reading some reviews from a uh, friend of the show, Brandon Peters, I'm actually very interested in seeing what they have to offer because I, I do like that first one a lot. Let's see. Baller Season 2. I know, Peter, every day you just can't go without watching at least one episode of Ballers, right? That's that's your thing? I, I watched half of the first season. I love The Rock, but eh, it was okay. I just didn't need another entourage. It's like, I'm done with this. And uh, lastly, Poke- P- Pokio. Pinocchio, the signature collection edition, comes out this week on Blu-ray. Uh, some new extras there with uh, the movie Pinocchio, which I actually have to review. I have not watched Pinocchio probably since I was in my not even 10 years old, so... Uh, I, I'm, look, I look, I'm it's looking forward so to it. I, I really want. I can't wait to watch this movie again. Um, Anna and I are probably going to watch it uh, very, uh, very soon. I love, I love when Jiminy Cricket ogles puppets. And they lifting up their skirts. <laughs> Does he really do that? What? Does he do? Is that in the movie? Yeah. It's a, it's a classic all cricket right. thing. Uh, all right. Okay, that's out now. Presents what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These are movies that are coming out on Netflix that I can uh, recommend or make mention of. Uh, spe- speaking of this from way earlier, Contact is going to be on Netflix this month. <laughs> oh. Um, not... Wait, wait, wait. You mean February, February. or January? Fe- February oh, okay. 1st, Contact comes out. Also out, Babe and Babe Pig in the City are coming to Netflix. I I haven't watched Babe in a long time, and I've, I've, I'm really excited to watch it, and, and Babe Pig in the City, for that matter. That was Gene, Gene Sisk, the late Gene Sisko's. Top movie of that, that year, bad, yeah. Bad. Best picture nominee, babe. Best pic- best picture, best director nominee, babe. Yeah, a lot, multiple Oscar nominations, I believe. I believe it won a couple too. And yeah, Babe Pig in the City, the darker sequel that Gene Siskel loved, the late Gene Siskel. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that show. I miss that show uh-huh. so much. Let's see. Wait yeah. a minute. I just what? I just thought something. Uh-oh. Wait. Wait. No, you know what? Finish this, and then I'll. Okay. I'll, I, I can't wait. All right. Uh, I boy. Uh, with uh, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Uh, Maisie, Maisie Williams, Arya Stark, uh, some original Netflix movie, and lastly Sharknado: The Fourth Awakens on Netflix uh, this week. Wow! So uh, get get hold of that one. All right, that was extremely cool. What do you got, Peter? What, what's up? Wait, did we 
when we were doing the box office uh-huh. thing, did we do last year's biggest box office? Yeah, last year's was um, Spotlight and The Martian. Oh, you're right. Okay, because what it was was I forgot about Mad Max. And I was like, wait, didn't Mad Max make a lot of money? Yeah, but it was 150 yeah, not, not, It didn't make as much. It didn't make Martian money. bucks. It didn't have Matt Damon. Right. <laughs> Savior of other people. <laughs> Hold on to your potatoes. <laughs> it's Matt Damon invading your great wall soon. Um, all right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Matt Damon. Uh, let's see. Next week's show. Next week, I'm not sure once again. Uh, the Space Between Us comes out. That's a movie. Um, I, I don't I don't know what we'll talk about next week. We might have to... It might be the other half of this episode you didn't hear yet. It's involving Star Wars. <laughs> that might be a big thing. Let's post that as the episode, but we'll see. Because I know Abe's still not going to be back, so uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. The week after that gets crazy because we get John Wick 2 and the Lego Batman movie, so that's going to be exciting. But, you know, next week... I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, with all that in mind, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Peter Paris, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Probably, I think Moonlight expanded, right? So, Moonlight, I think. I think it expanded. It, it expanded. I, I, I think Lion expanded a little bit. I know Hell or High Water and Arrival are coming back to theaters. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what I'm going to see next, um, maybe Fences, but I hate to admit it but I, I do feel like i need to see resident evil in the theater because i've seen them all in just the theater to, just to I've recap legit- there are three best picture nominees you haven't seen yet and resident <laughs> evil the final chapter is the movie you're going to see next <laughs> I know, I, i've lost all credibility i, I but i am like i do want to see that resident evil movie. Like, uh, zombies i mean the, the resident evil cinematic universe <laughs> it, needs, it needs to be completed guys no, have fun. I hope I hope it's a blast. I do. <laughs> David, <laughs> what should what should people see now? Uh, I just watched Hidden Figures and I absolutely loved it. I think uh, you know one thing that I don't like is when people say it's just a movie. This is one of those movies that really puts you in other people's shoes and makes you understand the difficulty of of the time period of race relations in America. And I think, you know, it's really pertinent, especially now with our current political political climate that, uh, you know, we're, we are all human. So I, I think this is a wonderful film. Uh, if film, Peter, uh, <laughs> not just the movie. But, not not <laughs> but, HBO uh, either. But, <laughs> yeah. But the next movie, the next film I will probably try and see is Moonlight because uh, you guys both, really really enjoyed that for best picture and the so world if I, I, yeah if la, if la la land's not gonna sweep it then i definitely need to see at least moonlight if i don't get to conquer all the all the best picture list which i try to do every year well get, get but, on that uh, hell or high water too that's that's you can rent that right now you can get a red box after this podcast okay. and get it <laughs> all right it's, it's kind of cold outside so maybe not wear, wear a jacket <laughs> but, uh, all right Oh, yeah. Okay. oh yeah, jackets. I remember those. Um, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would recommend any of the Oscar nominees. Really, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there. You can find it, and I've talked on the show plenty of yeah. times. Yeah, Peter, especially uh, the Oscar nominee Rogue One. Yeah, the Oscar nominee Rogue One could be seen by you, Peter. <laughs> That's true. I can still see that again. That's true. Um, next up, I'll be seeing the Space Between Us. I know that, and I'm seeing Space Between Us. 
<laughs> and I'm seeing a cure for wellness this week too, which I'm looking forward to. I like that Gore Verbinski. So uh, wait, where's that? I want to see that. I'll tell you later. Fox. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, that's that's that. Uh. Geez, we've been going on a long time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This is, yeah, this is a three-hour podcast. Uh, definitely cutting some stuff out of this one. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at thecodeseek.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Peter Paris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, I just got a new job, so I'm I still write in a game revolution, but I don't know when my next project will be. But you can follow me on Twitter at Pajamo. David, yeah. I am on EndorExpress.net. You can find me on the website. You can find me on Instagram. Or my personal Instagram account, Coyete Boy, C O H E T E B O Y. Is that where you, David? Is that where you showed me that cool Instagram you did of um where you were at Disneyland and I think it was a little Lego figure. Oh yeah, you can see all my toy pictures. You can see my theme park pictures. Um, all that oh, kind of fun stuff. David, David's toy collection is crazy. It's really cool. So just want to throw that out there as a person who's seen it. <laughs> Thank you. You can uh, find all the other episodes of Out Now there and on iTunes and Audioboom, as well as older episodes at outnow.podomatic.com and SoundCloud. You can email us any thoughts on anything we've talked about this week at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, and send us plenty of gifts involving Han Solo or anybody else over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> David, Peter, thank you very much for joining me for this very lengthy recording tonight. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, no, thanks, man. This is really fun. I'm... I'm uh... I'm exhausted, but yes, I'm, I'm really glad I'm we did this. I'm exhausted as well, but yeah, this was uh, this was fun, and um, I look forward to finding other podcast guests that secretly knew each other way before I had them on the podcast together. Uh, but until we get to that, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. for fences apparently i could just say denzel because we all know but i can't say vigo without saying vigo mortensen for some reason i don't i don't know what it is because it could be the carpazian yeah vigo the Car- carpazian from ghostbusters 2 he's back <laughs> and he's acting now <laughs> <laughs> it's just his giant head in dramatic roles <laughs> i am captain fantastic <laughs>